Hello, everybody. This is Two Guys Five Movies. This is your one of your co-hosts, Chris Gasper. This is Frank Pelican. Uh, you are listening tonight to episode 118, where we will be covering the Dark Knight trilogy, and we are being joined by a friend of the podcast, Michael Bletso. Hey guys, thanks for having me. Of course, um, you have become our um, resident hater. I think at this point, um, after <laughs> your successful run talking about Jackson's uh, Fellowship of the Ring earlier this year. Yeah, um, I'm aware of that, and I'm, I don't think that's the best um, reputation. But I'm a, you know, we'll do it. Um, we'll have you on for some stuff that you like. <laughs> Um, what what would that be? What do you like? That's what I was trying to think about. Cool, we can talk about Cool Ham Luke. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Have, we've never covered that on the podcast, have we, Frank? Nah, it's never fit in with a a theme. Yeah. Maybe we'll just top like, five Bledsoe movies. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> That's only three uh three movies long, so. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, all right, so I think anybody that would be listening to this knows of Christopher Nolan's trilogy of Batman movies. Um, just to get the specifics out of the way uh, that we usually cover here, um, these are directed by Christopher Nolan. Uh, they were written um, in some sort of order. Goyer wrote Batman Begins. Um, Jonathan Nolan Christopher Nolan wrote Dark Knight, and then uh, Jonathan Nolan and David Goyer wrote um, uh, Dark Knight Rises. Um, the movie star Christian Bale is Bruce Wayne slash Batman, uh, Michael Caine, Gary Oldman, Morgan Freeman, Katie Holmes, uh, and Maggie Gyllenhaal, both as Rachel Dolls in uh, two perspective movies. Uh, the villains throughout the movies, Cillian Murphy plays the Scarecrow, Liam Neeson plays Ra's al Ghul. Heath Ledger as the Joker, an iconic role. Um, Aaron Eckert as Harvey Dent slash Two-Face. Anne Hathaway as Selena Kyle, Catwoman. And then Tom Hardy as Bane. Um, I leave off uh, what's-her-name um, uh, as Ra's al Ghul's daughter because she's a completely unnecessary um, piece of that movie. Um, so Early, early editorializing. <laughs> um, so just... Uh, just in general, I think most people know these movies are highly respected, um, particularly The Dark Knight, um, by fans and critics alike. Uh, this month, we are kind of covering next week's episode. Episode 119 is the top five overrated sequels of all time. Um, this is kind of getting uh, paired with that a little bit, um, as The Dark Knight is probably considered one of the greatest superhero movies of all time by most. Um, we're just going to cover the... <laughs> is going to cover the entire trilogy um and get it out of the way before we get started though i just wanted to know if there's any kind of biases that like maybe you're in play here so i kind of just want to know generally everybody's feeling on batman as a comic book um hero um you know previous inner uh incarnations and movies and such so uh, we'll start with our guest uh, mike uh, how do you feel about batman in general what's your history with the character so I grew up loving loving Batman. He was one of my favorite childhood toys to play with. Um, I was a big fan of the Tim Burton Batman when it came out. I was nine years old. I dressed up as Batman that year for Halloween. Um, more Batman toys, more Batman life. Um, had a tie-dye Batman shirt 
that I got from Ocean City had a had a bicycling sickling hat with a Batman emblem on it. So I really really loved Batman, especially at, at that time. Um, I guess I I guess I thought Batman Returns was okay. Um, after that, I didn't really pay too much attention. Um, I did read the Batman comics at the time. Um, I didn't get into all of the different graphic novels and everything. Um, but I really enjoyed the Batman character growing up. And um, I guess we, I guess, I, I don't think I saw the later Schumacher movies, the ones with like Schwarzenegger. And I think the one with the Riddler and Two-Face was the last one that I saw. I think you and I saw that in the theater. Yeah, I think that's right. Yeah. yeah. And is I guess Batman I, Forever, is that right? Yeah, I guess yeah, I like I guess I liked that one. And I mean like at the time it was fun. Um plus it had some actors that we liked in it at the yeah. time. So I think Dixon might have actually been with us for that one. Probably yeah, because probably. of Jim Carrey. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And um the Batman animated series, uh uh-huh. I was in love with that. You know, I would come home after school every day and watch that in in middle school. So yeah, I mean, I really enjoy the Batman character. I'm not like head over heels in love with with Batman like you know some people are, but um, I guess I've gotten less interested in Batman as I've gotten older. Uh, we went to see Batman Begins together, right? Yeah, yeah, we did. <laughs> that was There's a good story with that. Yeah. <laughs> so that was that was the first time I fell asleep during Batman Begins. <laughs> first time, um, good. I have fallen asleep every time I've tried to watch it, which is around three, I think. Um, but that's, I guess that's my general background. Um, I, I did see the dark Knight when it came out and I haven't seen anything else since then. I don't know if I've seen a single comic book movie since then. Um, not that I didn't, not that I like disliked dark Knight that much at the time, but, um, I just haven't really been interested in it since then. So, sitting down and watching these three movies has been uh, an exercise in in planning and commitment and um i'm i'm proud of myself for getting it done <laughs> being ready to talk about it tonight yeah that's a lot of it's a lot of time it, it really yeah it really is like 10 hours of your life yeah i was i was thinking about planning it out like watch a half hour every day for two weeks <laughs> Um, but it ended up taking me two weekends. Mm-hmm. Um, last question: Do you have the Batman like Justice League on the card? Like those figures, the Justice League series? Yeah. Uh-huh. No, I don't think so. Don't I don't have, have the really like the weird proportions with the skinny legs and big shoulders. Yeah, the the ones that you used to collect. Oh, superpowers! That's superpowers. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, I have the Batman superpowers on the card. Yeah. That's, yeah, that's one of the best toys ever made. Yeah. It's my favorite toy. It's my favorite toy that I ever had. Batman, the Batmobile from Superpowers was another favorite toy. Um I I you know, I lost <clears throat> I lost my Batman and then I actually got another one. Uh, that's a that's a whole other story, but um yeah, I I've I've always enjoyed Batman. Superpower is a cloth cape or a rubber cape? Cloth cape. Okay. That has the like the clip ring that goes around its neck and then. Yep. Yeah, yep. right. Yep. That's okay. Yep. That's no, a good toy. I had one growing up. 
Um, okay, Frank, what, how did, so I guess kind of similar to Mike, like I, I grew up like liking Batman a lot. Like I read comics pretty, um, incessantly as a kid and Batman was one of the comics that I read over the course of like most of my childhood and teenage years. Um, I would say the, uh, Dark Knight Returns is probably the first like mature audience comic I ever read. And I was, I actually got those issues like when they came out. So I was pretty young. Um, whatever year that is. Uh, so probably like 12, maybe 11 or 12. Um, Arkham Asylum, uh, Killing Joke, Year One. Like I loved all that stuff. Um, I stopped reading Batman in the mid nineties during the Nightfall, um, series because it was just too much to keep up with like you had to buy like 13 comics a month basically to keep up with the nightfall story and i couldn't i couldn't handle that um and that's a lot of like up to that point and then like a couple stories after are what the majority of this trilogy is based on um but primarily you know like batman was one of my favorite heroes he was one of the only dc heroes that i read um religiously because i was mostly into marvel comics um, but I loved Batman. Like, I liked the idea of Batman being a detective and <clears throat> using his mind to, like, solve crimes and track down villains. And most of Batman's villains were less, like, supernatural or, like, superpowered and more set in the real world. So when he would fight superpowered villains, um, it was always interesting to see, like, how he used his brains to figure out, like, their weaknesses and, you know, his gadgets and whatever. Like, it was less about like where Superman was just like punching the shit out of somebody like Batman, even though he would fight people, Batman had to more use like creativity and guile to, to get victories. And I was always um, attracted to that. So, um, same thing too. Like I had a lot of Batman toys. Um, one of my favorite toys as a kid was I had the Mego, uh, three inch. Um, I can't remember. They're called like world's greatest heroes of Batman and Robin in their Batmobile. Um, and I love those toys, like two of my favorite, um, action figures from like when I was like four or five years old. Um, I also had a lot of the superpower stuff, although not to the extent that, that Mike had, but you know, I had Batman and Green Lantern and stuff and I love those toys. And he was always like a central part of my play acting as a, as a kid. Um, and I also was a huge fan of the Batman sixties serials. Um, like the stuff with Burt Ward and Adam West. Um, and I watched them, I can't remember when they were on. I think they were on every day at like one thirty, maybe, or it was, two yeah, one or two yep. in the summer. And I would just watch yep. them like all the time. And I know those are kind of goofy and not really like what I like about Batman, but I like, I love like the aesthetic of them. And, um, same with, you know, Mike, like when I was however old, what, when did, um, Bat Tim Burton, Batman come out? Is that 89? Yeah. 89. Yeah, so 12 years old, like, saw it in the theater, um, had a Joker t-shirt, had a Batman t-shirt. I had the um, the Toy Biz toys that came out at the time, um, like the Batman with the grappling hook built into his belt and the one where you could put the costume on him so he changed from Bruce Wayne into Batman. Um, I don't know, like a really uh, seminal character in my life and a character that I've always enjoyed reading stories um, and even more recently, like the Long Halloween, um, the Court of Owls stuff, like there's graphic novels that I've picked up collecting like certain runs that I still enjoy reading. I think that someone that knows how to write Batman 
can write really good compelling stories that have like a darkness to them but also have like an element of hope and um usually have like really creative and um ingenious i don't know like plot lines and secrets and whatever and it's um it's usually really fun to read that stuff so hence my disappointment with these three movies but i guess we'll i guess we'll get into that yeah i mean i don't have a lot to say like my i did not read comics growing up um which isn't entirely true i didn't read like comics month to month like um i wish i brought it as a visual prop but like I had a few of those like little tiny books that were like, you know, the size of your hand kind of that were like old comics from like the 40s or 50s that were condensed down into this like, you know, little paperback book. Um, And I had like ones with like Robin at the circus and like that whole backstory of Robin and everything. So I used to read those when I was really young, like five or six. Um, But I didn't read like any Batman stuff. It wasn't until I was in my like uh, 20s, really, that I like went back and saw any of that, like, you know, famous like Frank Miller stuff or. So here's I I don't know if this is like interesting, but just to provide some context. So what you're talking about is the stuff that was from like the Golden Age comics. Yes. um, In Batman's like initial introduction and run. Um, There's basically like four different like time periods of Batman and there's that. And then there's what came after that in like the 60s up to the 70s and then there's like the 70s to the mid to late 80s and then that's all retconned by frank miller so basically these movies are based on the comics that came out from like 1987 88 to like 2000 right so it's dc like couldn't compete with marvel with like the stuff they were doing i mean like you know bat dog and crypto the super dog and like all this shit like that was kind of like inspired like the um super friends cartoons so dc Mm -hmm. moved into a really like overtly dark and gritty mindset so everything was just so the vertigo is that what vertigo turns into or whatever well vertigo is a separate imprint i mean that's more horror focused that's like hellblazer and sandman and stuff um this was within their normal Mm. universe but they that's there was a reason why they hired like Frank Miller and John Byrne and people away from Marvel was they had these people that could write like mature stories but not violate the comics code. Gotcha. Um, but a lot of that Batman stuff, even especially the Frank Miller stuff and the shit that um like Neil Gaiman wrote and um Dave McKeon and Bill Sikavich, or ever say his name, like all that stuff. Um, very dark, very gritty, focuses on a lot of um really mature themes like sexual abuse and child abuse and serial murder and psychology and so you can tell that goyer and nolan are big fans of like that time period of batman because that's where all these stories Mm. are pulled from like there's nothing really taken from and batman in the 70s and 80s was still like a dark comic like it was definitely the most mature but i mean still had some goofy elements like fucking calendar man and the mad hatter and shit like that and so from like the late 80s through the 90s um it was very much focused on the idea of like, I mean, that's where the death of Robin comes from. Like Joker right, right. murdering uh-huh. Robin and um, dark Knight Returns is like super dark and like all of its themes and stuff. And you can see that that's the inspiration here. Yeah. And I don't have like, unless like somebody, you know, had me read specific um, graphic novels or something like that, like, um, like the killing joke or, um, you know, year one and that kind of stuff. Like, I, I don't know any of that kind of stuff, like about like the history of the character. Um, yeah, mine was just, um, related to cartoons, toys and movies and the Adam West show, which I also watched at like one or two o'clock, like every summer. 
Um, also, I, I also love the animated series as well. Like, I thought the animated series was amazing. Yeah, I didn't watch it religiously, but I watched it enough. And I actually, like, watched it, like, 15 years ago or something. Like, I just bought, like, the DVD when it was out and, like, watched through it. But, um, um, but yeah, so, like, I again, big fan of the Tim Burton, like, movie. Um, I had the Batman t-shirt. Like, I had Batman, like, you know... Uh, paraphernalia like you know around my room like I had the whole collection of the trading cards for Batman like you know in a in a, in a binder um you know so like I I was really into that at the time um uh three years later I remember I I was already tuned out a little bit by the Batman stuff by the time Returns comes I've never seen Returns since I thought it, saw it in the theater so I've always thought about going back and watching it again just to see like if I un, like uh, underrated it or something uh, and still have never done it um, but but yeah I, I I like Batman and so when it always came down because I didn't know a lot about superheroes usually always came down when we were young to that idea like are you a superman person or a batman person like i was always a batman person over superman like i find superman to be dull as hell um so like i always but the things i always liked about uh batman was um and then video games later in life um playing those like you know um which i played all through like the most recent ones and stuff like that and like the ones for the nes and that kind of stuff like i played um when i was younger i like I like the detective elements of Batman. Um, I like the gadgets and stuff like that of Batman. But yeah, I like that he's more of a detective and more cerebral. Um, like it's it's one of the things that like I really like about that character. Um, and yeah, so uh, you can obviously see probably one of my complaints is about um, the character in this movie. Um, is that being one of my um, major things that I like about Batman? But um, but yeah, so. Okay, so that's out of the way. All of us really liked Batman at one, like really, really liked Batman at one point in our lives. Um, so yeah, as you're as we're talking about it, I'm trying to remember. I'm trying to remember how excited I was to see Batman Begins, and if I was excited, and I feel like I must have been pretty excited by it. Yeah, you were pretty. You were excited coming. You were excited, even though you fell asleep. Yeah, you know, I didn't realize how much of that movie that I missed until yeah. I rewatched it just now. Uh-huh. I pretty much missed two hours of that movie <laughs> because I slept through it in the theater. And I guess the the ending must have gotten me excited. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Everybody was pretty excited coming out of that movie. I remember um, doing parkour in the um, in the lobby um, and in the parking lot. And in the parking lot. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so. All right, so I'm I'm just going to say I think I probably like these movies the best out of the three of us. Um, that's not saying a lot. <laughs> um, it's it's going to be obvious. I think it's it's not saying a lot, but um, I think I like these the best. I know there's going to be a lot of uh, criticism, and I know that like so many people like this that could be like hard to listen to, like us just tear apart like everything so i want to kind of try to focus this early on before we we are going to talk about each movie um to some degree but um i want to kind of get some of the major uh, grander ideas and criticisms out of the way uh so i want to start talking about plot because i know everybody has like criticisms of the plotting of these um and frank since you were just talking about the comics uh do you want to go ahead and start because i know yours relates kind of to the comic issue you want me to talk about the whole 
trilogy in general, like my plot. Yeah, uh-huh, yeah, yeah. Um, so it's almost like, like fan fiction watching it in the sense that it's like these people that took what I consider to be like really, it, for the most part, like iconic stories. I mean, again, not a huge fan of like the Nightfall stuff and on, but um, like year one and um, Arkham Asylum and all this stuff and just let me take a little bit from here and let me take a little bit from here. And from the perspective of someone that's like a fan of the original work, like it feels really, um, there's a lot of like dissonance to it where it doesn't necessarily flow together all that well. Um, and there's enough in self-contained in some of those stories where if you were just adapting, you know, like a, whatever, like year one is like a four issue comic or five issues. I can't remember how many, but, you could adapt that into a two hour movie and it would be compelling and interesting. But instead you got to pull a little bit from here and a little bit from here and change. It's like our complaints about Lord of the Rings where it's like, why do you change the motivation or the whatever, like actions of this character? Because it actually has an effect on the rest of the story. And it's kind of like that here. Um, So I don't know. That's usually, I like in general, I think the movies are overlong and I think they always have like, one plot point too many going on that just feels unnecessary right (laughs) where you could like remove some element of the movie and that would take a half hour out of the movie and it would in general make a tighter more coherent film but alter nothing about the end result and i feel like every one of those movies has something that just drags it down now just like as a follow-up to that People and because I'm not from I'm familiar with enough of it to understand what you're talking about, like those comic arcs. I mean, it's, I assume that like you could see where someone that wasn't familiar with it would probably be really into like those ideas being amalgamated in such a fashion, possibly. I guess um, it's one of those things where it's hard to like remove your whatever, like all your knowledge from it. So like, I don't know. Oh, I understand that. No, but well, is that is that how you felt, Chris? Uh, I, mean, I, I think I'm familiar. I'm I'm familiar enough with them where, like, I um, my complaints would be different. But it's like I'm familiar enough with them to know, like, that he's stealing from a like. I know at least half the ones that Frank mentioned. I, I've read them, like, um, in my life, and so I, I kind of understood like where things were being pulled from. Uh, not so much Dark Knight Rises, but um, certainly from the first two. Um, so I, I get what Frank's saying. Um, it's a less of a, less of a concern for me. Um, like that, that kind of like liberal stealing, um, from like the, the different comics. Um, it's mine's more in the way that it's handled at a screenwriting level and a plotting level, um, where it feels rushed or shoehorned or, um, uh, or overdone depending on the movie. <laughs> And maybe it could be all three of those things, um, you know, for for at least one of the movies to me. Um, and uh, so it's more in the way it's handled and less so of like having it feel like fan fiction to me um, is the only like slight disagreement, like not disagreement, but a uh, difference in like my interpretation of knowing the comics less. Um, but yeah, that's probably like, you know, like my, uh, and, and then I think you and I have crossover Plutso too with like my other, like big plot, ele- grand plotting element of these. And so if you want to go ahead and explain like what your issue is with the plotting of these. Well, I just, so I'm coming at it from the perspective of someone who hasn't read many of those comics. I think 
I read some of Nightfall. You know, I read the issue where Bane breaks Batman's back, but um, I didn't read much after that. In fact, I don't even know was Bane even a character in the Batman universe after Nightfall? Yeah, Bane's um okay. one of the more popular Batman villains since then. Okay. Yeah, so I didn't even know if he st- stuck around or not. He also became um, kind of like an anti-hero as well at some point. So it like kind of like Venom is a Spider-Man. Anyway, it's it's terrible. There's yeah. no need to talk about that. Um so from my perspective, it just felt everything just everything about these movies feels really tedious. And I think, you know, before we got on the recording here, we were we were talking about this and I was complaining about how um, you have this comic book material, which is even if it's more mature and more serious, it's still a comic book. It still exists in a cartoon universe. Um, it still should have. It still should have some sort of like hyper stylized elements to it that that help transport you out of the tedious uh the the like the the tedious um uh plot points and you know and the the day-to-day real world type of environment that's in the movie so i get really i guess you get really frustrated watching it because there's all these really incredible like incredibly put well put together slick um shots and filming and editing and um i have complaints about the editing but (laughs) but it's all put together with such professionalism and with such like expertise and they're putting together this thing that is dour and tedious and unfun and um doesn't have any kind of spirit that is like it it doesn't have anything that's drawing you in it doesn't have anything that's that's capturing your imagination or inspiring any kind of emotion it's just it's just let me it, it just feels like they sat down and they took all these plot points and they tried to come up with the most um self-satisfying way to tie them together and when i say self-satisfying i mean satisfying to the filmmakers not to the viewers um which kind of goes in so my next (laughs) so my next uh complaint about this is are you guys familiar with the the concept of uh chekhov's gun yeah chekhov's gun or whatever it is so for the listeners if you're not familiar with it the idea is that I, I believe the way it's it's described is you know if in Act One if you show a shotgun over a fireplace that in Act Three it better it better go be off. yeah mm. right better go off so <laughs> to generalize that th- there should be no plot point or there should be no element um that's there just for itself mm-hmm. that everything should be serving the development of the plot in some way um and i think if you take and so when i watch this movie i think this feels like someone went and took every screenwriting best practice and just stripped just used just stripped all of the like 
creativity and um and I, like I want to say whimsy, but that's not really what I mean. Um, but just the joy, like of cre of creating something, and just stripped anything extraneous out and filled it with Chekhov's guns. And I and the dialogue, the the characters feel like they're there just to serve the plot. The dialogue especially feels like it's there just to serve the plot. There. I, I can't even tell you how many lines there are in this movie that are, or in these, I'm, I'm calling it one movie, but in these, in these three films, there are so many lines that are there just to um, reinforce an upcoming plot point, especially I, I it was especially bad in dark Knight rises. Um, yes. Cause I think by that point I had, I had become really aware of it. Mm-hmm the thing that made me aware of it in after watching the first film was the whole blue flower thing on the hillside. So they go and they, and they get, they go and they take Wayne out of the prison and they, and he's, and uh, they, they, they tell him pick up a blue flower and bring it up to the, you know, the, the blue flowers that, that grow on our hillside and bring it up to the, to the temple or whatever. And that felt a little bit kind of silly but it's like something you'd see in an anime film or something like right, sure. it, it sure. just it it felt like a little bit of a side quest <laughs> <laughs> right but then you find out that the whole movie is about those blue flowers and so then like because like that's where they're getting the toxin that they're shipping mm-hmm. in to put into the water supply and they the thing is going back and watching it you know when they show they show this close up of the blue flower and it's all like animated mm-hmm. highly like this like high budget special effect of the blue flower it might have even been purple now that i i don't really really remember it's but, blue flower okay but they spend all this time on it and it yeah. feels it feels really out of place when they do it until later you realize oh they were doing that because all these later plot points are driven by that blue flower Right. So once you realize that, the rest of the series just becomes uh, just one Chekhov's gun after another. And by the time you get to Dark Knight Rises, it's everything they say. It's yes. Hey, look, uh, we put this we put this reactor down in this chamber so that we can flood it if we need to. Well, right, right. And, <laughs> and and the reactor is there to again because there is hope in the Bruce Wayne character. <laughs> that eventually it'll be able to use to give the world hope through sustainability one day. But then the word hope, like it's just like the word fear in Batman begins. The word hope appears so many goddamn times in dark Knight rises. And it's like, you want a theme. It's like, don't pound it into my damn head and let me think about it rather than beating the theme into my head. (laughs) So let, let me say something and not, not really counterpoint, but just like in conjunction with what you're saying, Bledsoe. What you describe happens in almost every single movie. It's just that when a movie's well written, you don't see it like that. Like you're not like yeah, constantly focused on the thing that's gonna pay off later. Dark Knight Rises, especially, because to me that's the most egregious of these three films, mm-hmm. is so poorly written and plotted that it's like the first scene in the movie is um 
why does he wear the mask? You know, like to pay off in what, like the last like 15 minutes of the movie is like, oh, this is why he wears the mask. And right. it's, but who fucking cares? Like, yeah. I don't know. I'm 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 super excited to talk about Dark Knight Rises because it's such a terrible piece of shit. Yeah, <laughs> I, I have something very specific about that scene that I want to like raises a question, but I think I'm right. Like, and it's it's yeah because that scene is not good. Um, in the beginning. But so to, to, your, to, your, to your point real quick, Mike, is I just want to like provide because I do have the evidence here to support you, at least dialogue wise, because it's something I picked up on, too, is that so why do we fall so we can pick ourselves up is said by Bruce's father um, and then later by Alfred um, when at, at Bruce's like lowest point when he's been like, you know, beat up by Ra's al Ghul. Um, the um, the idea of mining your surroundings like which comes up in during his training and then when he's beat up by Ra's al Ghul and then again as a reference by Batman to Ra's al Ghul when he defeats him that's three different occasions it gets brought up on there's um you know the re- repetition of Rachel Dahl's telling him it's not who you are underneath it's what you do that defines you and that's how All he reveals she flips it on him right she flips it and then there's the idea of um, oh, there was another one that now I'm trying to sit here and I can't find. But uh, this happens like two or three more times. And then there's a constant reference to fear throughout, which show you the theme. And it's like what it is, it's expecting you to pop. It's like it, it's it's for it's absolutely. God, I, I don't I, I don't want to. It's absolutely. Hold on, I need to really parse my words here because I don't want to insult a lot of people. Um, because when they do the callback, when they finally do the callback. Oh my God! It's it, the, the reaction supposed to be. Oh, oh my god it, it ties back to the to the to the beginning of the movie like Boom. you know it's like <laughs> yeah gotcha Boom, oh oh he got me and it's like yeah oh oh yeah they got me um oh and then the funny one because you can do comedic ones too it's like you know you didn't get the memo when lucius fox like you know um takes over the company oh my god that's so bad um <clears throat> which, so that was another that was another one where and i, I don't remember the specific line you're talking about but but the whole thing where the guy, where the whoever the evil whoever the evil chairman is, yeah, and he's going, oh uh, yeah, uh, we're selling Wayne Enterprises, and we're uh, we're just selling it through a bunch of different companies. You know, it's really complicated. Nothing for you to worry about. Right. And so, like when you see somebody say that, you think, oh, okay, so Bruce Wayne is buying this through a bunch of different companies and making it uh, right, right, right. I mean, right. I don't know. Like I did see the movie. When did this movie come out? 2005 okay so i did see the movie in 2005 so maybe i have a memory of it from then that's not true for dark knight rises but um but yeah i mean the stuff is telegraphed so blatantly yeah Yeah. so that yeah so that you can have that that callback pop that callback pop sucks (laughs) look you can you can have to me i think i was saying this last night because i would talk about what you're calling the callback pop um is that I think you can have at max to a movie and that's pushing it. It's like, I think you can have the serious one and the comedic one, you know? And it's like, like the direct reference, like that's it. Like, that's all you can have. You go beyond that. It's like, you're it's, it's shitty fucking screenwriting at that point. I think it's just bad. Yeah. Yeah. So, but yes, these are really telegraphed. Um, like, and but isn't yeah. that just Nolan? Like, I feel like that's every Nolan movie is. Um, he's like basically like 
the rich man Shyamalan, right? Like he's like every movie's got its twist. And he's gonna like telegraph that twist, but like people are gonna be like, Oh my god, like what a twist. But he just does it like in a more classy way than Shyamalan does. Okay, I wanna take a break real quick, um, before we move on to the look and direction of these movies. Um and Mike, what's one thing you like? Whether it's a scene, whether it's a character, whether it's a line of dialogue, what's one thing that you like about these movies? Just so we can almost do a palate cleanser for people. Let me do like just the first movie. Okay. All right. I liked I liked the scary visions where the people had the fear visions and like you had the cop that was on the horse mm-hmm. and he looked like some sort of nightmare creature. Right. I liked that stuff visually. Mm-hmm. Again, like that stuff was stylized and it, it like, it evoked some sort of emotion, some sort of reaction from me. Unlike the rest of them. Did the, you like the way the, the Batman, like when Scarecrow is affected and sees Batman? That when he's was, like all like black and his like mouth is like wet and black and like. That was like teetering on the edge of absurdity mm-hmm. I, I i i liked it well enough but it was yeah. teetering on the edge of like this is corny mm-hmm. um but it was okay and yeah I, I liked but you like the visual effect yeah. of like the kind of like yeah the, the, the screen kind of moving and like yeah 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 i liked that stuff um I found the, I mean, just going back to, <laughs> are we done talking about the plot? <laughs> yeah, I think we're done talking about the plot now. Yeah, I, just that's what I'm about, just, I just want to talk about how torturous that origin story was. That thing took like an hour. It's to, my, it's for, it's 40 minutes. Um, it, I, I timed it. Um, it, it's, it's 40 minutes and, um, uh, maybe 42, something right around there, but it's, um, it's my least favorite part of the, um, entire first movie is is that origin story and it's only because of the way that it's done through mixing his training with the flashbacks i don't like like that movement back and forth and i think the flashbacks the stuff when he's in college is embarrassing um like the mop mop haired (laughs) yeah yeah yeah, the mop haired male um being the college student and all that kind of shit like is um really embarrassing i think to watch the one thing, and this kind of ties into something I like, I love Tom Wilkinson in that scene as Falcone, the mob boss, when Bruce Wayne goes into the mob hangout and Falcone like dresses him down. Um, and like, I love the dialogue. I love the way he says it. I love everything about it. Like the whole thing, like, you know, this is after like, the parole hearing. Yeah. He's like, I, I like, he like told, the... he told me in jail that your dad begged like, like a dog. Like, I, I love all of that entire scene. I love the actor and the way he delivers all that stuff. I think it's great. Like, yeah, I can see that. But then immediately ruined by, um, that's an awful nice coach you got there. Be ashamed to burn that coat. Uh, you know what? That would have appeared in burdens batman to something like but that. it wouldn't like, have been it wouldn't have been called back during the pivotal fight scene on the dock where that homeless man just so happens to be standing it's, there it's, eating a, it's after the fight scene and i'm i'm fine of a with can. it i think that's i, yeah. I don't i don't agree with you that shit's it's awful the, it's after the fight scene as a kind of uh cathartic release joke um 
and and I actually like it's one of the few times I like his Batman delivery is when he says like you know nice coat, coat. like you know right, right. I, it's one of the few times I actually like the comedy in this outside of Alfred. Uh, you got bad taste too sometimes, I guess. So. <laughs> Do you want me to tell you what I like about all three? Or no, no. I just wanted one thing because we'll get to the thing to the movies as particularly, and we can mention the things we like. I just wanted one thing to like ease people back into the idea that we're going to tear these movies apart again. Um, so, Frank, what's one thing? One thing you like about these? Um, I really like uh, Cillian Murphy's Scarecrow. Hmm. Uh, Stephen Crane. Like, I think uh-huh. that that's. If you take the character in the comics, um, with the way that like I read his like delivery, um, in my head, I think that he's pretty perfect casting for that, and I think he portrays the character in the way that I imagine the character. Yeah, I like the casting of it. I don't necessarily like the writing of the arc of that character, but I like the oh, casting. Oh no, no, no! Look, yeah. it, there's some bad things that happen. I'm just saying that him yeah. is the character. Yeah, yeah, un- understood. I love the casting of that, especially since at the time he was a new face. Mm-hmm. You had never seen him before. And he has, a, like, visually, he has an incredible look. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and and what he does with that, like, acting, like, the way he's just, he's unhinged, even when he's just playing, like, the, you know, Crane. Like, it, it's just there's something about him, like, underneath. Like that's just unhinged, like, and you know it. And I, I yeah, I, I really like the performance. Yeah. Um, oh, I, I, I want to give it. I want to give one more thing that I, I sort of like, uh-huh. even though it bothers me. I like the Easter eggs that they place in the movie, even though I hate how it kind of like sort of disrespects the core characters, like having like Zazaz as one of Falcone's um, uh-huh. henchmen and um, Flass and uh, the commissioner. Um, are both like pivotal characters in year one. Mm-hmm. Um, Loeb, I guess, is the commissioner's name. So, like, yeah. having those characters be in it, like, it kind of, I get a little pop from being like, oh, right. Like, well, yeah, you had comics. to describe to me there's the two guys that look like kind of like twins or whatever in Batman Begins that you had to tell me after we first saw it. Like, there's a scene where, like, he busts through a wall, like, in the prison and, like, they're, like, sitting there, like, on their cots or whatever. And I don't know if you remember this scene, Frank, but you had to tell me who those were. I didn't know who those characters were, but it's a small reference to like some characters in the comics. Um, they're like, Twitter. oh, when um, like they're sitting there on their cots and they like kind of look over and just uh-huh. sort of disregard. Yeah, you. uh-huh. yeah. You had to explain who those were to me back two thousand and five, whatever. Um, so I knew that there's a, like a lot of little things like that. Some of them I picked up on, some of them I didn't. But um, yeah, I mean, those are, yeah. Um, all right. So let's talk about the look of this movie. I started with Frank last time. Let's so what do you, how do you feel about the look of this movie? Um, it's pretty much completely uninteresting to look at. Why? Um, it's too realistic. There's this, it's totally unstylized and I just don't think it fits the material. Um, I, I prefer Burton's Gotham, which honestly is a lot of uh, like uh, backlot type stuff. Um, not not shot on real. I think there's a lot in Burton's Batman that's not shot on real streets. Oh right. Um, what's just real quick? What's interesting is the scene that you're talking about with the horse and the cop and all that kind of stuff. Um, yeah. I think is shot on a studio. 
Oh, really? Yeah. Uh, everything underneath the city, like underneath the bridge and all that kind of stuff, like all that shit shot, shot on studio. Hmm, that's interesting. Um, yeah, I mean, I remember, I remember everything being orange and black. I don't just in terms of the color grading. I don't, I don't know if that's accurate or not, but uh, it's. I didn't find anything visually interesting about any of the stuff like the Batmobile, whatever it was called. What was it called? Like the tank thing. It's the tumbler. Tumbler. Yeah. The tumbler, the motorcycle, the, the, they called it the bat, the, the aircraft thing. Um, the whole thing is really uninteresting. Um, all the scenes are really dark, um, to the point where, especially the, any, all the Batman scenes, they're so dark that you can't even see what's going on. Um, you can't even see Batman's costume. What does Batman look like? After watching three movies, I, I really don't know what Batman looks like. I know like kind of what his head looks like, <laughs> but I don't really know what the rest of his outfit looks like because it's constantly hidden. Well, in you have to, to, to shoot in a long shot to understand that. But... Well, <laughs> yeah, exactly. And like put some lights in the, the fucking scene. The... If you and I, I went back and watched the first hour of, of the Burton of the first Burton movie today, mm-hmm. just to get a source of comparison. And the movie starts out, um, it starts off out at night, and you know they're in they're they're these uh, you know criminals, and he's 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 dealing with these criminals, and and you know they're in the darkness and shadows, but there are strategically placed lights that are pointed at Batman. So you can see what he looks like. You can see the shape of his body. You can see the emblem on his chest, which all of that was really exciting at the time because nobody had ever seen a black Batman costume before. Right. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I think like, I, I think there's a Batman emblem that's kind of like lightly embossed on Bale's chest, mm-hmm. but I didn't see it in the movie except for where they showed it in the Batcave, maybe. Um, the editing of the fight scenes is yeah. ridiculous. And it's the same, you know, it's the same stuff that everybody else was doing in the mid 2000s with foreign supremacy type shit. Like, yeah, the stupid identity. jump cuts and shaky cam and, and the, you know, cutting, cutting so much that you can't you can't see any part of the fight. So you don't ever get a sense that, that Bale is a, is a formidable fighter because all you ever see is just the frenetic, just a frenetic mashup of limbs and, and uh, shadows. Yeah. And I know you haven't watched this. Let's although at some point I think maybe you should try it out. Like um, the first season of it is a uh, daredevil. Um, the TV, the Netflix show, um, okay. does it perfectly in actually like shooting things in long shot and like having set pieces that yeah. you actually get to see that he's like actually a skilled fighter. Yeah. Um, at th- that counter something like this, like you need to see the characters moving through an environment. Yes, and you need to see them moving in relation to each other. Yeah, you can't communicate. You cannot communicate a fight using editing like that. Yeah. All you can communicate is just chaos. Yes. So, um, so I, so really, like for many of the scenes, 
um, I would just check out. I'd just be like, okay, there's a fight scene. I'll wait to see who who emerges at the end. Um, and because I couldn't make any sense of of anything else that was going on, um, I, I don't I don't know if this is the look, but it's that the, the freaking car chases. Like I hate car chases. I think they're the most tedious element of action films. Um, boring as hell to watch. And I, I don't know how many car chases or shots of people driving fast or were in these three movies. Um, but that was all a complete waste of time. Well, it's good. Um, I, I would say there, I, I'm not a big fan of car chases or cars or anything like that, but it's like, I, there are good car chases, but it's be, usually they're good when there is a actual um, goal in mind, or there's like something that actually like is like pivotal to the plot to create tension. And um, so, French Connection, Bullet have really great car chase sequences, but they're tied in so in, one, they're tied in so integrally to the plot, and then two, they're filmed in a very logical way so that you understand and it's not quick cuts or like just like this frenetic like you know yeah. mess of things happening it's all very logical so that you understand exactly what everything is happening in relation to each other in that car that um you know it it actually builds tension because of it and with things like this with car chases just like you know whatever but yeah it that, um, it doesn't have that <laughs> like these movies so everything you know everything is is so dark and humorless and um and like realistic and gritty and um it's just not interesting to look at i i can't i can tell you maybe a handful of scenes that i thought were interesting to look at um in the dark night rises the only one i can remember is when they cratered the football field and that was kind of like, oh, that's that's different. Like that's kind of cool looking. Um, but the rest of it is just it, it looks like every other action film. It it could, like I was saying earlier, like it could be a diehard film. It could be a, um, I don't know. What are some other action franchises? Fast and the Furious. Like Fast and the Furious. Now, like... It could be a, It could be any of that stuff. It doesn't. There's nothing except for the costumes there's there's nothing that is that's distinguishing it from every other film so um so as far as the look goes i think it's uninspired and i think it's boring do you like the costuming in it like overall so who has a costume i mean do you mean like Batman, Bane, Catwoman, like I just mean the costuming in general, the films, for like the, you know, so, like yeah, for, for the, the characters, yeah, for the like, superheroes, or because I actually think it's to me, I I actually like a lot of it, most of it, but um, something well, I don't like, but well, I can't tell you what Batman's costume looks like because <laughs> you um, can't see him, right? Right. I don't. Yeah, I mean, I actually like the Catwoman character. Yes, I do too. Uh, I think we're all in agreement, probably there then. Yeah, I like the way that Anne Hathaway played the Catwoman. Yep. Um, and I can talk more about that. Yeah. But, um, you know, Bane, I mean, Bane was okay. I, I mean, he was really ridiculous looking in the comics and was yeah. constantly pumping him up, pumping himself up with steroids. <laughs> right. And, and by the time he got to the end of nightfall, he was like 20 feet tall and 30. Yeah. Feet tall. I, I like so, that. Like they, he's just built in this. I don't, I, I like that. They didn't go overboard with how big he is. Yeah. I, I love that. Like kind of like, 
weird duster that he like wears. Like, I mean, I, I think that they... I I hate all that shit so much. Yeah, <laughs> uh, the coat was not was not my thing, but um, the rest of it was okay. I hated hated Bane's voice and his accent. See, I don't mind any of that yeah. stuff. Yeah, uh, but yeah, I mean, those are. I can't say that there were a lot of costumes that really stood out um, that that were interesting to look at. I don't think anything yeah. was interesting to look at. Yeah. Okay, Frank, what do you have to say about like look, direction, all those things of this movie? I agree with almost everything that Bledsoe said. Mm-hmm. Um, this is outside of like the like hyper cartoonish like nipple costume from um, uh, Batman Forever. This is one of my least favorite Batman um, costumes. Um, I think he looks like he has encephalitis, like with the way the mask sits on top of his head. And it makes his face look like super fucking fat. Like, I don't know. He just, I hate any close up of Batman's like head or like upper torso. And I really can I ask you about that for a second. So Bale has a, Bale has kind of a weird mouth. Yeah, and yeah. When he talks, especially when he talks with an American accent, he kind of does this contortion with his mouth that makes it look a little unnatural. And that's just in general. Um, like you can see the same thing in American Psycho. Sure. When he has that mask on, that's literally all you can see. Right. Is his mouth. So part of the problem with it is that the forehead and the ears like rise up too far above his eyes. So it doesn't look like sleek or it just looks really top heavy. And then the way that the, them using like molded plastic around his face, like to your point, it like pushes his cheeks together and it makes his mouth like he's making kissy faces. Like every time, like he talks and it's just, yeah, I, I fucking can't stand the look of it. Like it looks awful. I also, I hate the fact that, like, the whole purpose of the symbol on the chest is that that's where Batman is armored, and that draws the bullets because it's almost like a bullseye for people to aim at. So it allows him to avoid taking, like, injury. And it's, like, I mean, it's a small, whatever, like, thing from the comics, but it's, like, always a cool thing to, you know, when they talk about it. Like, that's why he has, like, he wears this big symbol on his chest, like, to draw that attention. And, like, that is some deep smart knowledge right there. I'm, it's what I know. I also the other thing too is um on the gauntlets they have the um the underside of the forearm. There's the um I don't even know what you call them, like almost like the bottom of an S shaped uh spikes that come out. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. And they attribute that to fucking like ninja costume in this movie, in the first movie. Where it's like they're goddamn fucking ninjas. And I hate the ninja shit so much. Like, I know we're talking about the aesthetics, but the ninja shit is like the lamest fucking like nonsense. But it's like Liam Neeson's got ninja gloves, and that's how he's like catching Bruce's sword. And so Bruce puts like fucking ninja gauntlets. I don't know. Fucking, I, I, I hate that costume so much. Like, uh, it just makes me angry. Now, now I'm all pissed off. Um, I don't like, I agree. I don't like the fact that it looks like a real city. Like there's nothing Gothic about it. And that's the whole point of Gotham is that it's this like incredibly old, like 
old world city that's just been like continuously built over and over on top of, but it still maintains like the gargoyles and the minarets and like the spiky gates and shit like that. And I feel like I'm watching like fucking Toronto or something. I don't know. Like it's just really lame and boring. The whole look of it. Um, I do like Scarecrow. I like the Scarecrow mask. I think that's really good. If we're only talking about the first movie. Oh, I no. hate the Tumblr as a Batmobile. I think the Tumblr is... I think the Tumblr is a good example of how little Goyer and Nolan understand Batman as a character. In the sense that, like, Batman ain't driving no fucking tank around. Like, he doesn't need to crash through walls. Because Batman's about, like, the subtle art of, like, infiltration and, you know, like, being in the shadows where, like, no one can see him so he can, like, spy on you. And it's, like, this is the one thing this Batman never does. And, like, I can't stand that. And I hate the fact that all of his technology in all three movies is based around this idea of, like, these large machine gun equipment. Like, all of it is just such a lack of understanding of what makes that character great because they're pulling like, it's a, it's a, it's a blunt it's a blunt force approach as opposed to the more nuanced like and look and but he tries to do the stealth sometimes and i actually don't mind the quick cuts and the stealth scenes and stuff like that a lot of times it's the fighting scenes i don't like the quick cuts and stuff like that the stealth scenes i'm fine with like cutting quick sometimes I actually like the Falcone stealth scene in the first movie, um, and I don't even mind the stealth scene with Scarecrow later in the movie in Batman Begins. Like, but he, so, but then it's like, then he's just using brute force with, like you said, the tumbler and like the goddamn whatever it's called in the third movie with the fucking plane and like why? Like to me, like that's one of my biggest complaints about all of this is this idea that like Batman isn't the guy I want him to be. He's a fighter who you don't actually know can fight because you can't actually see his fights and he uses tech, but his tech is almost exclusively to me, like all these big, like monstrous vehicles, um, as opposed to like, you were saying more nuanced, subtle things right. that allow him to like, you know, be stealth and like take people out. Like, I mean, the whole point of Batman is that he refuses to use guns, which I know like is referred to in the third movie of Catwoman, but every one of his fucking vehicles has like machine guns on it. And he's always, like, machine gunning shit. So, like, somebody's got to get shot at some point with some goddamn Batman machine gun. I don't know. It's really an, it's it's really annoying. We'll, we'll get more into this when we talk about the overall trilogy. Yeah. It, it, it just drives me nuts. And I hate the visual aesthetic of all these, like, big, bulky, hugely, like, overly technologized, like, things that I know are all based on, like, real world, like, tech or whatever. Okay, so... I actually don't have as much of a problem with either of you <clears throat> with this. I don't think it's fascinating at all. Like, um, but it doesn't bother me as much as it does the two of you. Like, I don't feel like a lot of times that it's so dark that I can't see it um, necessarily. Maybe I have like a brightness too high on my television or something or my iPad or because so I watch everything on my iPad now, but like pretty much, but um, maybe I have my brightness too high, but um, I don't feel it's like too dark. I I like the functionality of the Batman costume. It's one of the things I actually like about like some of this is I do, even if it's not done correctly, I like the attempt to try to place it in the real world. Um, I like the idea of it more than the execution. I like the idea of like trying to make Gotham look more like a real place, even though I do prefer, I think Burton's Gotham, like from 89, like in the look of it, 
I, I like the attempt to try to do that. I like the attempt to try to make Batman build like have a suit created that like fits what he needs i like that like little plot line in the first movie and i like how they adapt the suit to it um where it's like he needs to be more mobile so it's like they're going to change and like do this to the suit i like the fact that his fucking head can move um which is one of the things i dislike about the batman suit in 89 is like you know like how like you know just rigid the neck area is and stuff like that um so i like it's more functional in the suit um the reason i brought the costume is because like i think like the joker is well costumed i think catwoman is well costumed um um i love the actual look of the joker like you know um as being this just sleazy um you know dude that doesn't give a fuck what he looks like um and is styled himself that way apparently um uh if it's all like you know there's there's no label like it's all like handmade apparently um like um but it's like, I, I, I like the look of a lot of the characters. I think like, you know, and even costuming goes to me to like how like their facial hair is cut. Like, I love the way uh, Gary Oldman looks as Jim, as, as Gordon. Um, I think he like fits this like rugged everyman type thing just in the way that he looks. Um, uh, like, I the thing that I dislike most is Two-Face probably in turn, but that's not costuming, that's CGI. Um, I guess more than anything, but um, I don't know. I, I like the way the characters are dressed in this. Whoever did the costuming, I think did an okay job um, overall, like with that kind of stuff. The look doesn't bother me as much. I agree. It's not interesting, um, but it, I just don't, I, I just don't hate on it as much, like necessarily. Um, yeah, and I like, do think I... There, there's good shots in it too. Like if we're talking about look, like I, I think like one of my things about Nolan is I actually think that he can direct action pretty well. Um, it gets ruined on the script or storytelling level. A lot of his movies um, is is where his failings are, or in the editing stage of those movies. Like I think he can direct a scene, um, and I think you, I think you can see it here. I think you can see it in Inception. I think you can see it. I think you can see it in Tenant, which is a movie I do not like at all. Um, I think you can see that he can direct a scene. It's just that it's on a ultimately i think like i know it's jumping ahead to like nolan but it's like i think that like he's a pretty good director at times even like a really sound great director occasionally um and a bad storyteller is my ultimate like i think opinion um uh of a lot of this stuff so i i don't the look of the film like doesn't bother me i think he's a depending on the day a mediocre to good director um so I um, sorry, Frank. Go ahead. I was going to say I 100% disagree with the costuming. Like I cannot stand the let's make this look like these could actually exist in the real world costume decisions. It's one of the things I hate about the original X Men trilogy is that there's like no callback to the actual costumes of the characters from the comics. Um, and I think that that's a problem with most. Aside from the Joker, I agree with the Joker, but I think every other character just looks like shit in these movies so go ahead blitz i'm sorry well what you what you had me thinking about when you're talking about um not about the the idea of putting it in a realistic world and a modern day world um i'm trying to think about like what would it what would it take for me to buy into that and and enjoy it i'm not really sure i think maybe some different 
choices about how they stylize the characters and the costumes um, or the villains. I, yeah. I, I'm, I'm not really sure. Maybe. I mean, just the plot, if the, if the plot were more interesting and surprising or inspired. Um, and I felt like I was having more of an experience when I was watching it, even though it was taking place in the real world. Um, I don't know. I don't know if you could, like I, I just don't know if so if if you could actually pull that off and make it something that I would I would enjoy. Yeah, but I, 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 I've I've really just tried to separate all aspects as I've watched these multiple times. It's like I've realized nothing bothers me me about the way characters look. It's everything. It's other shit that bothers me when I'm like looking at the screen. It's not necessarily the way the characters look that ever bother me um, at all. Um, Sometimes, like it depends. Um, but uh, there are some things I dislike, but um, but that's not a thing that bothers me. So I, I have to assume that goes to like some sort of like you know, whoever did the original sketches, like you know, like uh, concept art and like you know, then the costuming and like all that kind of stuff. So that doesn't that that is actually something that doesn't bother me about these movies. And I think I guess I have to say is at least to me is like is okay about it. Um, if you're trying to put it in the real world like and it's only in that way um but i respect the attempt um like i said i don't think the execution is very good like um necessarily but i i do respect the attempt to try to create a real world superhero almost as opposed to um keeping it in like a superhero look like slash so, realm let me ask you this question because this this is one of my overall like complaints about nolan doing this series if you're going to make a superhero movie, why the fuck are you doing that? Like, don't make a superhero movie that makes something else. You know what I mean? Like the whole one of the biggest appeals of superheroes is the visual appeal to like the aesthetic of the costumes. And I mean, I think Marvel does that good job of balancing like every character's costume is a good callback to their actual like comic book appearance. Mm hmm while still making it seem like believable whereas in batman it's just like bane went to fucking goodwill and you know like went nuts and like there's nothing about bane like <laughs> that's hilarious fucking character yeah, in the costume <laughs> <laughs> like you know like, even the bat cave even the bat cave like didn't have an, al kind of an allure yeah yeah like super interesting look yeah. to it. Agree. Agree. I mean, because I, like, I like the water effects in it. Like I like the idea of like all that, like you know, water and stuff like that. Like, but um, that's about it. Like, yeah, like that. That's the thing is, I like that that element of it. Like him coming in through the like the waterfall to mm -hmm. save whatever, like Rachel Dawes. But then have it be this big. Like, as much as people shit on it, and I know that, like, it's gained some popularity since HBO redid the Snyder Cut or whatever, but that's one of the things that Zack Snyder gets right in his movies is that he makes them, like, these people are, like, superheroes, you know? And, like, the Batcave looks like, I don't know, like, someplace that Batman would be with, like, all his, like, gadgets and shit, and Christopher Nolan's like, hey, you got a concrete pad and a, like, laptop, like, that's the back, <laughs> but that right. So I, I, I just don't think you right, and, and and that's fine. Like I just I I think he's trying to like 
really make it to where it's like, what if this guy was a real person who had access to this company that could do all this fancy tech? It's like he's trying to make it as realistic as possible. And while I don't think it ends up working well, like I do appreciate the idea of trying to make it look like what if this actually happened in the real world? Like, yeah, I mean, that's just a philosophical difference between uh, me and I guess him and that I don't understand, like, don't make that movie then, you know, if that's what right. you, you right. know, I can see what you're saying. Because yeah. you've already suspended your disbelief because you're watching a superhero movie, you know, it's not like I'm like, oh, my God, like this dude has fear gas. Like now I'm I don't know. whatever. Right. right. You've already like you, you could have done it in a way that was more of like a reverential, I think, to the overall source material and not just been completely like irreverent to the source material for the most part. Can, can I just ask about the Batman yeah. voice for a minute? <laughs> yeah, sure. Be, so, let's let's just move on. Let's just move on the casting. Cause I think we're done with like the idea of look. So okay. let's just move on the casting. Like, Tell me first, what do you think about Bale in general as Bruce Wayne and Batman? And I'm sure the voice will just tie into all that. So, Yeah, so Bale is... <clears throat> I really, I had a high expectations for Bale going into this. I guess we had probably already seen American Psycho by then. Oh, yeah, sure. When yeah. this came out. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought he was, you know, I thought he was great in that, so... I had high expectations for for this and um I, I don't know if it's him or if it's the way the character is written but it just kind of comes off as a big douchebag yep and and I, I mean maybe that's intentional on the Bruce Wayne side yeah but the I can't separate the two and I find myself not really liking this this character um and see, I do think he does a good job of the douchebag stuff, just like he did a good job of the douchebag stuff in American Psycho. Um, so it's like when, like, like the scene where he kicks everybody out and Batman begins, like, you know, he like goes up and like insults everybody and like kicks them out. I think he does an extraordinarily good job at that. Well, he's, um, he's that's like, that's in, in the plot. He's being a jerk. Sure. Right. Um, like, well, right. I think he does that aspect of it well. So it's like even the thing with the girls, like in the restaurant and the water, and like he, like I think he does like when he's playing a jerk. Right. He's intentionally he's, he's playboy character. Right. Intentionally because he's playing this saying, lesser version of Pat, Patrick Bateman at that point. He, right. Right. Yeah. What I'm saying is that even when he's not playing that exaggerated playboy, mm-hmm. that he still kind of comes off as an asshole. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And um. You know, like constantly abandoning the people that that care about him, and 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 being like self self absorbed, and um, I I don't know, being kind of detached from reality. It's just not a very relatable character, and I guess it shouldn't be because I mean it's Bruce Wayne, but um, yeah, that yeah, that, but, descri- that description might certainly explain why so many people love it, though. But part of the problem with that is that by the time he's playing that disaffected, like, billionaire asshole, you've already seen an hour of him playing, like, a completely different character. So, I don't know. It's just, like, I think there's a way that you can film that 
because Nolan's consistently like cutting back to flashbacks and whatever, like because there's no like he's in prison and then he's like hiking up the mountain. No, it, then... it's it, it's so fucking convoluted. Yeah, like right. I, it's I... like you have no invest. Like you know who Bruce Wayne is, so it's not like it's right. It's not like it's surprising to you or like you're like oh well, because you know it's an act. Like it kind of. I don't know how to explain it. Like to me, it pulls some of the. You don't. You don't need to see his parents getting killed. Um, as a flashback, like, like every everybody like in the fucking world, like you can do it in a piece of dialogue. You don't need to see it. You honestly, I think you need to do maybe the the falling into the fucking well. Um, if you're since since that's so goddamn pivotal to everything, apparently, like you know. And can we have jump cuts of of bats across the screen like right. fifteen times in the first hour? Right. Let me say one like so you brought up something that really bothers me about the first movie and the um the Thomas and Martha Wayne murder scene, mm-hmm. right? Why do you go back and retcon that it was Raza Ghoul that got Joe Chill to go and kill his parents? Like that is such an because unnecessary Because everything ties in together, man. Everything has to tie back together. That's the It's all it's it's all connected. Everything. I honestly don't know if that ever happened in a comic like where that was retconned to be yeah. like that. I'm I'm not sure. Um, because right. there's, but it's this. I don't know. I mean, I thought it was ridiculous when he was, when he was at the League of Shadows, uh, temple, dojo, whatever it was, and they're like talking about how they're going to cleanse the world of evil, and then they go, I think that he was there at this time, and then they go, and the first on our list is Gotham City. Right. And it was so it was such a non sequitur. Right. Because these people are out in some temple on the side of a mountain. Right. Like in Tibet or something. And and all of a sudden they're they're gonna go destroy Gotham City. And it came out of nowhere. Yeah. No, that's true. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. And I re- I remember sitting there thinking, like, what? Like this is how they're tying it back to Gotham City? Yeah. Yeah, and that was just the beginning of, right? You know, oh, the sand, oh, like the sand, uh, the scarecrow, the scarecrow's tied in with <laughs> Ra's al Ghul, and that's how. Oh, the blue flower, that's how they're doing it. They're that's how they're making people. Uh-huh. It all, and that's what I mean when I say that, like they sat down and yeah. and had a self-absorbed script writing session because I think they get off on like tying this stuff back together and finding, Oh, we can drop this one thing in the beginning and then it becomes hugely important at the end and everything's related to everything else. And everything's like this cause and effect um, matrix of, of events that, that happened to, to get you to the end. So, yeah. Um, I mean, just so you know, like David S. Goyer has written um, one thing ever that um, I like. So, um, which is Dark City, um, everything else he's written, I fucking despise. So, um, despise or just don't care about. Uh, kind of, yeah, kind of. It's like five movies in, yeah. Um, okay, let's, yeah, it's like you know, Kickboxer 2, Demonic Toys, like he's obviously getting some low budget stuff in, and that's like his first probably big budget thing. He writes Blade the same year. Um, which I don't like. Um, and then Blade Two and Blade, Blade Trinity and blah, blah blah. I actually, I'm 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 a fan of the first two Blade movies. Yeah, I don't care. Yeah, I think. So back um, to the casting. Yep. 
So hold on, yeah. Voice. How does his voice make you feel? Ridiculous. Angry. Embarrassed. It, yes. Embarrassed. It made me feel embarrassed from the very first time I heard it. Really? From the very first moment. Yeah. From Batman Begins. It, it gets worse. It gets yes, much worse. Okay. But you know, in Batman Begins where he goes, I'm Batman. It's like, eh, that was kind of silly. But then by the time he's in the next one, in the dark night, and he's he's saying, um, I'm not wearing hockey mats or hockey pads or whatever it is. Yeah. It's yeah. it just gets so yeah. absurd. I and he's having like these conversations with people. Like you said this a couple weeks ago when we were talking about it. Um right. yeah, when he starts conversing in the Batman voice. It's right, right. Yeah. So silly. Yeah. So embarrassing. Yeah. It's short short clip sentences are okay, but as soon as you go beyond like fucking five words, it it gets real bad. Yeah. Well, so Deanna and I were watching it, or we were watching Dark Knight Rises last night, mm-hmm. and we had to turn on the subtitles. Yeah, and we were afraid that that Batman and Bane were going to start talking to each other. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't understand what one of them were saying. <laughs> oh, Batman! You just... <laughs> <laughs> See, I always watch it with the subtitles on, so like, yeah, like, <laughs> but. Yeah, I, I was just not, I was not digging, I was not digging either of those voices. Yeah. Bane, I kind of, honestly, I'll admit, I kind of liked it at first. I kind of liked the affect at first, but then it, it, he just like, it kept, he just kept going with with the affect, and it just like kind of started to get on my nerves after a while. Well, I mean, part of that is because, to your point, like, he's saying one or two like words, and it's fine. But then, like, he starts having whole conversations, and it makes no sense. It's just ridiculous. And it makes me so tired. Well, it's his, like, it's his accent mixed with the modulation from the mask. Like, I, I, I don't mind Bane's voice, so it doesn't matter. Like, I, what, Oh, I was I talking just, about Batman. I, I think oh, Bane's voice is ridiculous. Oh. I think that Tom Hardy is a fucking asshole because he thought that was a good choice. I don't think like, that was. I don't think that was. It was. I read. I read. I read. Look, I read so many things about these goddamn movies in the past like three days, and Tom Hardy said that he made the decision to make B- Bane's voice not gravelly because he wanted to have a, uh, like a dichotomy between like what you see as him as this like hawking figure and like what comes out of his mouth is you know. Well, look, I mean, like, he, he, he's just an extension of what I've been calling, like, the philosopher extremist, which is what I think Ra's al Ghul is. Um, and honestly, I prefer Bane to Ra's al Ghul. I think fucking Liam Neeson's gentleman fucking philosopher extremist is the most boring fucking thing I've seen in any of these movies. Um, bad. And, and I prefer Bane, at least, because he fucking, there is a dichotomy between how he looks versus how he's... I mean, <laughs> I'm I'm be I'm be honest with you. Like I can't stand Bane just because it's such a fucking. I don't think Bane's a very good character in comics necessarily, but it's such like a, I like bold misapprehension of like who that character is. Like just make it somebody else. Like it doesn't have to be Bane. You know what I mean? Like sure. you're. I agree. Wasting a character for no reason other than the fact that people are like, oh yeah, like I recognize that name. But it's a completely different character with different motivations, and I don't know. So let, let's move on to some other casting and kind of talk about this. I'm going to just make the general statement that overall, 
despite how these characters are written, like all that, generally, I think the casting is very good. Um, I know, Frank, there's, you have some picadillos, like, about, like, certain things, but it's like, I'll just get this out of the way, because it's a commonality among all the movies. I love Michael Caine as Alfred. Um, I love the way he delivers dialogue. I think that, like, the relationship between Bruce and Michael Caine as Alfred is probably the most emotion, not a lot, but the most emotion that you get out of any of these movies to me. Yeah, that is something that we haven't talked that much about, but just the complete lack of any kind of humanity. Yeah, right, which is funny because realism and humanity is the two things that Nolan mentions that he was aiming for in these movies. And that's the closest you get to actual human feeling and emotion to me is that relationship. Um, I like Gary Oldman as Commissioner Gordon. I think he's great casting because I think Gary Oldman can do most things. Like, you know, um, but as, again, like the kind of compassionate yet, you know, determined every man, like, do-gooder, like, I think he works really well. Um, Morgan Freeman works well enough for the limited role that he's given. Um, I think that Eckhart does a great job as Harvey Dent. I think he does a less great job as Two-Face, but that's the writing more than him, probably. I like, I love Anne Hathaway. I like Joseph Gordon-Levitt as the Robin character. By the end, you get revealed that he's Robin. Um, I like him, um, like a, a, in that role. I like Cillian Murphy. Uh, Liam Neeson, I think, is fine, but I think the character falls flat and is boring. Um, and I mean, I think Ledger is good as the Joker. I just think it's an overrated performance by so many people. But uh, he's obviously, you know, it's a it's a, it's a great role for him. Um, so that's my general feelings on the casting, and I'll turn it over to you guys. But I just want to say. I like Katie Holmes more than, and this would not be true in any other thing that I ever said in my entire life. I like Katie Holmes better than Maggie Gillian Hall um, in the uh, uh, Rachel Dolls role. How would that? Uh, how would how would that not be a universal truth? Um, Gillian Hall's, I think of, I think is a better actress overall than Katie Holmes. But I'm okay. That was what I'm saying. I would not say that generally, like uh, like in most movies, if you replace one with the other. But in this, I prefer Katie Holmes to uh, Gyllenhaal. Like it just in terms of the the, the acting. In I, yeah, I don't have any. I don't have any. I don't know if I've ever seen Gyllenhaal in another movie. Um, but I would think that she's. I would think that people would universally prefer Katie Holmes in this role. But I don't know. I don't have anything to base that on, except that I really didn't like Jalen Hall at all. I well, I think part of the problem there is that Katie Holmes is um, Rachel Dawes is a a tough like DA who's out to get justice and will stand up to the mob. And Jalen Hall is Rachel Dawes is just a victim kind of like she's uh, basically look, damsel in distress. But but, but but I think they're both like. I think that character is flawed generally. Like, I think that's all she is, is just a either romantic interest that's shoehorned into a plot or a damsel in distress. So I think sure. it's a shitty character in general. I just prefer Katie Holmes um, as that character. Um, I mean, yeah. she ain't, she's nothing but a reason to have Batman abandon being Batman at the end of the second sure. movie. Sure. 
Yeah. Like, there's no purpose to that character aside from that. So yes. I don't know. Uh-huh. Um, casting wise, I'm fine with almost all of it. Um, a lot of my disgust comes from the way the characters are portrayed more than who is cast as being them. Um, and I think, I don't know, like, I'm not a big fan of Michael Caine's portrayal of Alfred because I don't think that's, to me, that's not Alfred Pennyworth, really, like that, whatever, like, cockney gangster type thing that Michael Caine's got going on. Um, but I mean, Michael Caine's a great actor, and that's some of the best performance in the, the trilogy is the stuff that he does. Um, I like N- Nestor Carbonell. Like, I like the people that they get for, like, recognizable sure. to do, like, Character actors, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, although, what's his name? Aiden Gillen is fucking awful. Awful, okay. okay. Well, I'll, I'll talk about it, like, when we talk about Dark Knight Rises. Yeah. But, yeah, like, um, I think Anne Hathaway is probably the most inspired casting in the entire trilogy. Like, I think that's the best. Her and Joseph Gordon-Levitt are both, like, really capture the essence of the characters that they're meant to portray. And I think that's the best casting. Um, I do not like Bale as Batman, although I loved Bale as Batman when I first heard about it. And even after we saw the movie for the first time, like I really liked his performance, but as the series goes on, I just don't think he's the guy for that role. I, I really like Bale as, cause I didn't talk about Bale. I like Bale as Bruce Wayne overall as the character is written. Not necessarily because I like the writing of the character, and I don't know if that distinction makes sense. But I yeah, like no, I Bale. It. I like I like Bale throughout all three movies as Bruce Wayne, as the characters were. Um, I think it works, but I don't necessarily like the character. What one of the problems that I have right now with watching this movie is, um, I've had. When did Dark Knight Rises come out? Like 11 years ago or something like that? It was like 2013, I think. Yeah. So I've now had seven years of like other product to watch. Mm-hmm. And Ben Affleck's Batman is so much better than Christian Bale's Batman to me. Like just in terms of like capturing not only his look, but like his physicality and the costume, I think is so much better that it's really hard for me to watch anything with Bale in this movie and take it seriously or like enjoy it. So that's not really Bale's fault, but it still is right. troublesome to me. And I, I just fucking hate the way he looks. I hate the way he acts. Like I don't. Yeah, and I think you and I like have probably slightly different feelings on uh, lesser. Like you're you're much more. You've always been much more in the Affleck portrayal than I have, even though I like the Affleck portrayal. Um, as the older Bruce Wayne, but or Batman, but um, I'm not as into it as you are. It's also the story and everything. Like I'm just not. And we'll, I guess we'll talk about that. We've already been talking for like a million years, but, um, I'm just not a huge fan of like this interpretation of this universe. And I think that's all encapsulated for me in Bale as Batman. So, but all the other casting is fine. So Gary, Gary Oldman is Gordon and along with Hathaway and, um, Gordon Levitt. That's the, those are the three best casting. Gotcha. So, uh, yeah, I pretty much agree with what you guys said, but um, I just wanted to add that Hathaway is someone who I would have, I was the most surprising to me because I would have never, I would have never selected her as Catwoman. Mm -hmm. Um, 
and I guess the the maybe they like kind of wrote the the role for her a little bit to, like to fit her better. But anyway, I was really surprised by how effective she was. I mean, it's not a huge part, but how much that she got across just in the the short you know scenes and dialogue that she had. So I was impressed with her. And yeah, I, think, I think insightful choice. I think it definitely captures like the element of Selena Kyle from the comics and her relationship with um with Batman. Yeah, and, and as bad as I write Rachel Dolls, um I think that maybe in that movie, um Catwoman and like, Selena Kyle is one of the best written characters. Dialogue wise, I should say. Dialogue wise is one of the best written characters in that movie. Um well, the plot thing wise. is, is like, do you plot, ever see plot reason? wise, like, huh? What's that? Sorry. I mean, do you ever see any kind of reason why Bruce Wayne is in love with Rachel Dawes? Like in any of those? No, there's no chemistry between either, with either of those actresses. Like, I don't see any chemistry. I saw a slight, slightly, very slightly, like a sliver more chemistry with Katie Holmes. But I see no chemistry with either of those actresses between um, uh, in terms of a romantic relationship. Like at all, so yeah, I I didn't I didn't understand other than they were childhood friends. Like I, you know, I I didn't get like that at all. Like it was an afterthought. The whole character was an afterthought. Rachel Dolls, I think. Um, you know, she's just there to motivate him to like as you can have love or you can have a life of like you know like uh, no hope, sacrifice, and like overcoming your fear to like, you know, kill yourself to protect the citizens of Gotham. Like it, it's it's this like weird fucking whatever. Probably like incelish dichotomy, like in some ways. Like um but um yeah, it's it's a it's a terrible character overall. Alright, so let's actually just jump into these movies. Um Mike, Batman begins. Yes. Likes, dis- likes, dislikes. Well, first of all, where do you rate this among the three movies? Batman Begins. One, two, or three. I hadn't really thought about that. I would, I guess I would say two. Okay. Maybe Dark Knight's the best of the three, and, and Dark Knight Rises is the worst. Okay. I think everybody says Dark Knight Rises is the worst. <laughs> um but yeah. yeah, okay. So what 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 do you like and dislike about like Batman Begins particularly? Mm, I think I've said most of it already. Yeah. Um, for this one, I you know, the the origin story is painful. Um, it's so so serious and and just everyone is unlikable and there's nothing to be excited about and there's nothing to like i don't i didn't care about any of the suspense or the tension i felt like it was all just um i mean i don't i actually kind of like question whether or not i i can enjoy movies anymore when i watch stuff like this because it makes me think like are there are there movies where the plot is not so um, just tedious and boring and uninspired? Like, are, do those movies exist? And then I think back 
a couple months ago when we watched Demolition Man. Uh-huh. And I enjoyed Demolition Man. It has its flaws. So you have been on the podcast to talk about something that you enjoy. Yeah. Yeah. But it, <laughs> but at least like it has a vision and it, it like presents a vision of an idea and it's like talking to me as a human. Murder death kill. And <laughs> and and this movie is just not speaking to me at all. It's yeah. just stuff happens and Bruce Wayne's an asshole. And then more stuff happens. And um, and then Rachel flips it on you and says, "Oh no, Batman is the real is the real mask." Whatever, right. I'm out. Done. Does, am I misremembering this? Having watched it three times in the past like four months, like does she put his like? It feels to me like comically she puts her whole hand on his face and is like, <laughs> "This is the mask." Is, did that really happen, or Mike's the mask? Does no, no, no. Okay. She puts her she puts her thumb on his mouth and her hand on his cheek. And she says, "Okay, it's, that's mask. what it is." Okay. All right. Oh, she said, "Yeah, she says Bruce Wayne is the mask." I, right. right. I think I said that backwards. Right. But yeah, she's like, "Oh yeah, uh, this is the mask." When you're ready to, the real you is the right. Is, is the uh, violent? It's vigilant. like it was like almost like she should have done some something like you know someone that's visually impaired, just like uh, you know, like put her whole hands <laughs> over his face, and it's like, yeah, it was obnoxious. This is an obnoxious. Well, like um, final scene well, in that movie. Well, especially, especially after he just saved her life, and he he like went to these incredible lengths to yeah to to save her from from certain death, and right. um and his whole house burnt down. So she walks up to him like literally standing on the the rubble of his of his <laughs> life, like the remain like the the smoldering remains of his of his sad sad life right and tells him the real you is the monster (laughs) right this is all a facade right and i can't be with you until you stop being the real you yeah yeah Yeah. that whole that whole yeah i mean it's basically a heel turn (laughs) yeah i mean yeah I, I did not like that. No. Yeah. Frank, um, you you like this movie the best still, right? I think this is the most entertaining of the three. Okay. So uh what do you like about this movie and, and what do you what do you dislike? Um I I still am okay with most of the action sequences in this movie. Um like taken out of context, I think that some of them are pretty well filmed. Um, I like car chases in movies like the opposite of Bledsoe. So to me, the only part of that, that cart, like the big tumbler chase, like I like the him, like turning off the lights and going dark and like kind of sneakily weaving in between the police cars and then, Agreed. Yep. and taken out of the context of like, I'm watching a Batman movie. Like, I actually think it's cool that he's like blowing up walls and going through walls and like jumping over shit. I hate the cop like the comedy where the cops like can i at least get a description of it yeah and then it like cuts to a scene of them like driving off past he's yeah. like oh never mind and it's like ah, you motherfucker i hate you so much um you hate comedy though so but i agree. i do it's a bit bad comedy it's not it's not um it's it's what you expect in that scene in a, in, I, in a I think like the that. performances are the best like again i think what you brought up about falcone I think that scene is amazing. Like 
yeah. it's almost like something out of American Gangster where he's just like you know take take their like godfather or something like take the cannoli and leave basically right um i think cillian murphy is fantastic in it like maybe my favorite performance in all three movies is him as uh scarecrow um are we only talking about what we like or is it like and just like i can't remember or and or what you dislike too like but whatever i fucking hate liam neeson as raza Ghul. yeah it is Number one, it's fucking whitewashing at its worst because mm-hmm. Raza Ghul is definitely like an Asian dude. Um, it takes away the mysticism of Raza Ghul, which is like a really huge part of Batman's mythos and that character. Um, and it just makes him kind of a like edgelord bitch. Like, I, I just hate him. Like, as a character, like, it doesn't feel like I don't know. The whole, like, I agree completely. Like, I'm going to destroy Gotham. Like, why? Like, there's so many other places, but, like, Gotham, that's the thing that's going to start it. And it the just feels, right, so unnecessarily convoluted that this is your plan, that you're going to get Bruce Wayne to go imprison himself and learn, like, jujitsu and then basically train him to be your your surrogate son, and that's what's going to get you into Gotham. Like, just fucking, I don't know, whatever. Just really dumb plotting in that respect, but yeah. But I like Cillian Murphy, so I, I wish yeah. they would have used the Scarecrow character a little bit more than what they used him for, which is basically the hype man for Raza Ghoul. Um Yeah, I agree with that. It feels like he deserved more, like than than that for somebody who's such a dud to me. Um like when he like comes back um in Roz and I agree with you about the whitewashing it's fucking stupid. I really would have rather seen Montana be like be like Raza Gould than um um than Liam Neeson. Um I just don't think I think this is something that I like with the first and third movie particularly and part of the second. Um it, it starts a theme to me that it's like he's trying to fit too many villains into a movie. And none of them get time to develop enough that you actually care about the threat that those villains represent. So you don't get to care about like the struggle that he's going against. And I don't think that Liam Neeson's Raza Ghoul is developed. I don't think that Scarecrow is developed like enough. I don't think that Falcone is developed enough. Um, I don't think that Bane, I guess, is developed until you pull off the stupid twist. But it's like, um, you know, Two Face to me, like, isn't like he's developed, but it's like the the Two Face aspect isn't developed enough. To me, the Joker is the only one that, to some degree, philosophical, like the f- philosophy of it is actually developed, and it just feels like none of these villains fucking matter whatsoever, except for the Joker. Like the Joker is the only one that feels like he actually matters throughout the entirety of this trilogy, um, because otherwise you've I've either mentioned or you've all addressed like things that I like or dislike about it. So that's the only thing that like this movie makes me think of is just how poor the villains are overall in terms of the way they're written and like, you know, and and stuff like that. I love Murphy as Scarecrow. It's just I wish there was more to do with him. Um and he would have had more screen time to build up motivation and threat level and all those kind of things. Yeah, if um, you had left Raza Ghoul in back in the temple yeah then 
Well, what if he would have left Razak Ghul back in the temple and brought him back in the third fucking movie? With Bane mm-hmm. as his hype man and Roz comes back in the third movie as opposed to his fucking daughter who dies five minutes later. Like, I mean... Or don't even bad. use Bane, just use the League of Assassins, sure. which is like... Well, and you enough. can use Bane as part of that if you wanted to. I mean, if you really wanted to kind of, like, retcon comics and stuff. But anyway, um, I think Liam Neeson, like, coming back, like, I, I just think he's a dud in this. Like, I, I and it's, it's not his fault. I don't think it's the character, but... Um, Whatever. Uh, I'm about one aspect of this movie that I that I liked that I okay yeah. So, um, I know I've complained about the origin story and all mm-hmm. that, but the that one aspect of the origin story that I really enjoyed was the flashbacks to Bruce Wayne as a kid when his parents were or his father anyway was building the elevated rail, and he was kind of like teaching Bruce you know, what their family's role was in Gotham mm-hmm. City. And you got you could see the interesting architecture. You could see like the, the elevated role the elevated rail. Like it had a visual style to it that that was interesting to look at. Um the, I think the I think the the script the screenwriting was interesting. I mean hearing hearing his father's perspective is something that you haven't heard in any other movie so um i think like establishing the role of the wayne family in gotham city was probably the most valuable thing that came out of that origin story Hmm. but they never really pursue that um i mean you could say that bruce is pursuing it you know as batman but um you know, a, the, a little bit as Bruce Wayne in, in the third movie, like a little bit, he's pers- like he he's upset by the fact that the orphanage isn't being funded anymore. Like, so he's, he still is like purse. Sorry, I thought Frank moved his hand. I thought he was doing a jerk off sign for a second. Um, uh, but um, he is pursuing it a little bit, like in his um, self uh, indulgent, self obsessed mind when he realizes that. Um, uh, they're not being funded anymore and it's because he's so self-obsessed that like he doesn't realize Wayne Industries has no profits but uh so so he is pursuing it to some degree as Bruce Wayne I think um a little bit um but yeah it's like this like very kind of like you know like moderate liberal like you know rich person philosophy that gets expressed and I do agree that it's interesting you don't hear that being spoken ever um by anybody in a lot of Batman movies from Bruce Wayne, from his father, anybody, you know, and to hear it expressed is pretty interesting. I agree. I like that train scene. Yeah, it's a good scene. Um, I that's that's the problem is it's surgical all the way through things I like and dislike. It's like you know, there's scenes I like really like a lot, and there's like three scenes that I it's like whatever to I dislike. Um, I did forget one thing. This brings up the um. And it's the last thing I'll say about this movie. This like weird thing with Batman of killing people and not killing people. Like he's, he's obsessed with the idea of like, I'm not going to kill people, but it's like he, they want him to kill the guy. The League of Shadows wants him to kill the guy. Right. Like to prove his, you know, metal. So he doesn't kill the guy. 
except for he kills like probably like five or six guys like in not killing the guy and probably kills the guy too um and then at the end of the movie it's like there's this like weird thing like you know this like I don't know how you justify this to yourself, but it's like, I'm not going to kill you, but I don't have to save you. Like, you're not, like, condemning someone to death, like, you know, by waiting till the last minute to jump out of the, you know, train and, like, let them die. Like, it's it's weird. It's like, you know, the whole thing. And then he continues to have that in future movies that's a plot point but he doesn't kill people um it's a it's a real weird thing in this movie like that they just kind of like ignore that he's killed people um when he's saying he's not killing people which the joker i guess rightly calls him out on right i guess kind of i can't i can't say that i was really tuned into that I get, I get. He, point, he points out that, like, at some point, the Joker does point out, right, that it's like, you know, like, how many people did you let die by like not doing this thing? Like, I mean, I guess he's kind of ta- like taunting him, like that, like you think you had this code, but like really, you're letting people die or something. You know, I mean, I, I guess that is a thing that gets referenced, but it doesn't really get resolved <laughs> so So that I mean, that annoys me about this movie a little bit, like rewatching it. That's ultimately one of the complaints about Batman in general is like, here's a dude that will leave like a hundred criminals paraplegics, but like he didn't kill anybody. So, right, right. Yeah, I don't know. All right. So let's move on to Dark Knight real quick. Um, this is like, to me, the biggie. Um, um, so we'll go ahead and start with Mike's feelings on this. Um, so let's go ahead. Okay. So let us know most popular and you kind of insinuated earlier that this is, uh, you think the best out of all of them. So what do you think about this movie overall? Likes, dislikes. You know, I, I listening to Frank talk, I was kind of reconsidering my choice, putting, putting dark Knight first. Um, I, I I think almost maybe I had the least, I I don't know if it's because I had the least, um, memorable complaints about it. And that's what made me say it was the number one Mm -hmm. or, or, um, I don't think, yeah, I, I mean, I'm trying to think back about the the plot the story and i just i don't remember very much being very memorable about nope i lost you sorry i remember ledger's performance um which was fine um but not all that interesting like however many years later just not all that i mean yeah he's crazy guy he shakes and stuff but there's just not much he looks at his lips too yeah that's true um <laughs> I, I look uh, my my opinion we frank and i talked about this like after that movie came out and it's like i thought it was a good performance i thought the the raving that i heard about it was because he had died i mean if i'm being honest and because like 
but my opinion was it's kind of easy to play crazy. You know, um, you just got to come yeah. up with your own specific ticks and, but I, I think it's, a, I think it's a really good performance. Like I, I don't discount that it's a good performance. It's just that I think that like it's overrated um, in terms of like how much people love it and talk about it. He's the most captivating piece in the movie to me, though, so, I think. Um, yeah, I can see that. I mean, the the, the Batman voice, it gets more ridiculous. Yeah. Um, I'm not a fan of Maggie Gyllenhaul. Right. Uh, I find the whole mob story to be really boring. Thank you. Um, from, a direct, from a directing perspective, um, they go to the spinning camera gimmick over and over again where they just incessantly spin the camera around in circles around some like tense moment or exchange that's happening another another directorial thing that happens in this that like i've been bitching about for weeks to frank is that he does this thing with establishing shots where typically an establishing shot is kind of a still shot of a certain area so you know where you're at as a viewer he does this thing where he either like, you know, it's like a sky cam type thing where like it kind of like zooms in or moves across the cityscape or like pans across the cityscape or like maybe even kind of rotates a little bit around the cityscape. I blame Peter Jackson for this entirely um, because he did it in Lord of the Rings all the time. But it's, it's this thing that adds this epic feel like as a viewer. And it's like what happens is like, you know, that can be at the beginning or end of a movie to establish some sort of epic feel but no one does it constantly starting in this movie and he does it in rises as well and he does it almost consistently throughout the movie for establishing shots which makes everything feel epic or, or is supposed to make everything feel epic and hence and hence because it's supposed to make everything feel epic nothing feels epic like once mm. you're trained to it and and i think it's a stupid fucking choice and i blame peter jackson for it by panning around panning zooming around the mountain as everybody walks up it you know um um but yeah that's another yeah. choice like a directorial choice that i just dislike they also start doing i'm not sure if they did this in the first one but they started in the second one doing this thing where they would cut out the audio from the scene and start playing like start playing music over top of it and it's mm. supposed to like i think it's supposed to deliver this real dramatic feel like they do it where when joker is getting away in the car mm-hmm. and he's got his head out the window and he's acting all crazy yeah cut the audio. Well, that, that is, they just cut the audio and there's just silence isn't there there might just be silence it's just silence i actually think the silence <laughs> is effective yeah, they do, the, but they do the same thing. Like when the like when they have the explosion with Rachel Dolls, yes, they cut the audio and they play some mm-hmm. sort of dramatic music over. Yes, yeah, the drowning. Yeah, I don't like that, but the the silence I actually like. Um, if you did it like if you did it at one time, like yeah. if you just did it in that yeah. Joker scene, it would be cool. Yeah. Sure, but then they kind of keep going back to yeah. it, which yeah. is lame. Um, th- the other thing that I think everybody will say about this movie is that it has way, it's way too long. It has way too many climaxes and um, you know, the movie could have ended really after the explosion and you, you didn't have to have like 
all the stuff with the with the two fairies and and the you know the um the the bombs and the and the detonators and all that stuff so i mean you could have done something else a lot faster it was just it's just self-indulgent and um yeah it goes on like i remember sitting in the theater and thinking okay well this will this will wrap up soon and then it just never ended it just kept going on and on and on um there's more of the same stuff of like you know stuff happens and it's obvious that they're setting up some future plot development like and it's so obvious you know the they they put joker into into the jail cell and the guy that's in there with him is is saying oh my insides hurt and then and you know like okay well he's got a bomb in his stomach or whatever sure and (laughs) so it's just constant like setup payoff and they just they just they can't even like they they can't even like be cool about it where it's like i want my phone call well why does he want his phone call so much oh my stomach hurts it's like it's like if any if you're thinking human being it's like you know that there's a connection between the two things and yeah i'm sure yeah it's just not satisfying to watch it when you see all the setups coming and then the you know and then there's the payoff and okay on to the next scene yeah frank dark knight right likes likes and dislikes but I specifically want to hear how you feel about Harvey Dent and Two Face and that whole situation as well as part of all that. Um, I like Heath Ledger. Mm-hmm. I think it's a good performance. Um, I don't know that I'm as awed by it as I was when we saw it and whenever, like when it first came out. Um, and I think the part of that was like my emotional connection to the fact that he had just died. So I think that like it it made it like more impactful and as you get further away from that i think it loses some of that impact mm-hmm. uh, but i still think it's the best part of the movie um i absolutely despise the batman goes to asia subplot that's like 22 minutes of meaningless shit in the middle of the movie i forgot all about that that's um hilarious. Where, like, everything that happens in that part could have happened with, like, one line of dialogue. Yeah. Like, just, and, so what's the, go, and what's hilarious is it's only, like, 10. It's, it's it's not even that. It's, like, eight minutes, but it feels like 22 minutes. Like It's just, it's it's so unnecessary. Like, sure. There's no point to it, except that it lets him do the whole, like, paraglide thing into the, you know, like, it's a cool stunt that I guess they wanted to put in. But it shows, like, how meaningless it is. Sure. So I fucking hate that. Um, yeah, the gangland stuff in it is unnecessary. Like Joker could just be an agent of chaos. Like you don't need to have all that stuff in there. I mean, you could literally trim like probably like 40 minutes out of this movie by removing things that are just there to pad the runtime and to give like someone the ability to say a line of dialogue. Um, I really dislike Bane's character, um, Christian Bale's characterization of Batman in this movie, especially towards the end. And so, I guess if you want me to talk about Harvey Dent, um, I I like Two Face a lot as a character in general from the comics. I think that it's a pretty, it's an interesting character to have this guy that's not only a former, like paragon of virtue in terms of being like the district attorney for Gotham, 
but also this guy who makes every single decision based on the element of chance. And it's just dumb. It's just wasted here. And number one, you kill him, which I, one of my biggest pet peeves in superhero movies is when you take a pivotal character's villain and have them die in their first appearance for no reason other than just to have it happen. Yeah. I and agree. I, yeah, I can't, I, like, I'm really not a fan of the setup that, like, so you and I, Chris, were talking about this off air before the podcast started. The whole premise, the whole reason you introduce to Harvey Dennis Two Face in this movie, or you turn him into Two Face in this movie, is to give a reason for Batman to basically drop being Batman and leave. <clears throat> that he's they don't want to let Harvey Dent like take the fall for basically turning into a murderous right. which also makes no sense that Harvey Dent turns into a murderer basically that's my problem with it like yeah. after yeah. like a lifetime of yeah. it makes it, it doesn't even make sense in the comics but it's like a thing that happens or whatever but here it's like well, in the you comics, it gets happened. fucking acid thrown in his face by the Joker, right? Is the origin story or like it's not some even some other? Yeah, sure. Some other villain. It doesn't matter. It's like right, it, it, it happens. Yeah. Right. He's in in trial and they throw acid in his face and half his face burns off. Right. But it's so meaningless here, and it's only done to set up this third movie. And it's not even like like the Joker has just died, and you have this whole group of criminals who have adhered to the Joker's like chaos theory or whatever anybody could have murdered fucking um what's her name rachel dawes and anybody could have like like been in that role like why does batman has to pin it on himself like it doesn't make any sense it's just stupid and it's just a reason to put batman in a position where he's not a factor in the first part of the third movie right where yeah he hasn't been batman for seven years or whatever it is like now i i think that i think it's a little too much but i think the two-face cgi is um fantastic like i think that's a really like it looks like two-face to me um i just don't get like wasting that character like to your point like you're throwing all these different villains in for no reason and like why make that one of the villains that you you know yeah and and look, Goyer's original treatment had Two Face not appearing until the third movie, um, because it was going to be the Joker on trial, and the Joker was going to throw acid in his face, and that was the original treatment. And Nolan decided to shoehorn everything into the second movie. And uh, like to both of your points, like about the length of this movie. Uh, yeah like I, I just think it's like it gets like so i said it, everything gets shoehorned in it's too much and it's like when you have this clear dichotomy between order and chaos which is what the core through line of this movie is and i think it's a good through line because it's always been a good through line right like batman versus joker is the premier thing in comics a lot of times and it's like it's a good through line now you have to like philosophically add in this idea of chance or randomness like philosophically into the movie and it's like how does that even fit and this is a large problem that i have with like a lot of nolan movies and specifically these movies is how philosophically or politically or socially ideas just get dumped on one another consistently 
with no clear answer. And it's just to kind of confuse the issue and make you figure it out. And what it makes it feel like is like he wants to be really deep and make you figure it out very much like the the phrase you hear anymore do your own research it's like you know like he wants you to figure it out and it makes him sound like he's really smart and really deep and it's my biggest problem with nolan with all of his movies is people go around thinking they're so complex and it's like all you got to do is think about it for 10 minutes and you can figure it out he just dumps a bunch of shit on you that makes it seem more complex than what it really is um and like he's done that from the beginning and I haven't watched Memento in 20 some years, but it's like, it, it's like once you watched it and then you like, you know, think it through, it's like, okay, I understand the fucking movie. And it's like, but like so many people are just so confused and like obsessed, like, well, what does this mean? Well, maybe it means this and maybe it means that. And like, what is he saying here? And what is he saying there? It's like, he intentionally confuses issues in order to, and this is the, this is the beginning of this with the Batman stuff. I think it happens a lot more in Dark Knight Rises, socio-politically, but like, and I'm not going to talk about that, but it's like, I think he does even more of it in that movie because that movie sucks. But, um, but I think he's starting it here by confusing the philosophies of just order versus chaos. Great fucking story. Great fucking through line to a movie. Like Joker wants like to like basically create chaos, doesn't believe in humanity, et cetera, et cetera. Batman believes in humanity, wants order. There's your story. And to throw Two-Face in this confuses everything. Um, and it's done in such a haphazard way to where it's like the love of his life dies and like his face is burned in half. And it's like now he's a villain. Like, uh, it's so fucking lame. It's just lame. Um and it didn't need to happen. <laughs> I hate the two face shit in this, like completely. Yeah, I I'm, agree. I'm done. <laughs> but I like a lot of the other stuff in this movie. Like I really do. The gangster stuff they spend too much time on. I agree. Absolutely. I said that coming out of the theater all these years ago. But like I like a lot of the stuff in this movie. I like the Batman Joker dichotomy. I like their scenes together. I like Overall, the story, I love the Joker's, like, presentation of, like, you know, he changes the story about how he got the scars on his face. I think it's hilarious that, like, you know, um, he changes the story depending on who he's talking to. Like, you know, I like a lot of the dialogue that comes out of the Joker's mouth. Um, I love the Alfred stuff in this movie. Like, I mean, look, we can't discount that this has created so many memes. Like, you know, like, in society. Like, I mean... Um, and look, the way that Kane delivers that story about, um, I guess, I think it was Burma, right? Like, you know, and it's like about the rubies and all that kind of stuff. And it's like, it ends with the idea that, um, uh, what is it? Like, you know, some men can't be bought, bullied, reasoned, or negotiated with. Some men just want to watch the world burn. I mean, it's a fantastic delivery and a fantastic, like, little story to signify like what the joker is and uh, it's just you know i mean it works um so th there's things that are really well done in this movie um overall so looking back at this movie comparing it with the first time you saw it yeah um do you feel like the because i feel like the the role of the joker in the in the trilogy as a whole mm-hmm is 
pretty forgettable. It just seems kind of like not very substantial. And I think at the time after seeing the second movie, it felt like the role was much bigger. But then it, it almost kind of like got buried after the second one or after the third one, I mean. Um, or, I mean, I guess because, I don't know, maybe they didn't want to bring back or recast. They didn't want to recast. That yeah. role. Yeah. So I wonder if there was an intent or if there was any intention to make him a bigger character. But Yes. The, it, the intention in the original treatment that Goyer wrote for two and three was to make him pivotal in two and pivotal but not quite as pivotal in three um they never talked about who the actual like big bad or big villain was going to be in three um but the joker was still going to be pivotal in that apparently um two-face was going to be i think it was going to be like the three villains type thing like in the third one and um it was gonna be like joker two-face once he gets turned and somebody else and um but the, they don't really talk a lot about like what the treatment was for three. I've tried to research this a little bit. Um, I just know that they took stuff from three and f- shoved into two, and that was kind of Nolan's decision with Two Face. Um, but yeah, I think he was going to be more prevalent, and um, it was going to be this like you know, and it would have worked as a like kind of like you know the segue into like whatever the last story was going to be where it's like because what one of the themes like it doesn't it doesn't get mentioned 25 times in this but one of the themes of this is this idea of escalation right is that like things will get worse before they get better and you know um is that like you know you'll eventually like this is the worst of it like apparently like um so, like, I get it. Like, you know, like, I, I there's some things I just think work really well in this and then some things that don't. And, um, again, I think it would have worked really well with those just Joker and Batman um, and Joker's henchmen working for him. And um, everything else just muddles this fucking movie to a point where it's too long, it's tiresome, and... Yeah. So, I... I felt I felt watching these movies again that there was a missed opportunity um, where I, I don't know if they knew that they were going to get three movies from the beginning um, or if that just, you know, came after the success of the first one. It, it was after the success of the first one. Yeah, yeah he, he knew he was getting two and three after the first one was successful. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it was his choice for three, even though he knew he could have three. Yeah. Okay. Because it it felt like a missed opportunity that they didn't take advantage of the fact that they had three movies to tell a story, yeah. and it comes it comes off with this you know very fragmented kind of menagerie of villains, and you have some I guess you have some consistent themes related to Batman and his relationships and. And everything but aside from that i mean you don't have a lot of i don't feel like you have a lot of continuity between the three movies um and it would have been nice to see i mean they i guess they try i guess the i guess the razagul thing is like kind of an attempt at that with the league of shadows but that yeah. feels so tacked on and yeah um improvised almost yeah uh so 
yeah i i kind of i just wish that there would have been more of a of something that developed over over the course of the three films that wasn't so fragmented yeah and, and the fact that the first one ends with the calling card it feels like the joker is the thing that should have in two and three been more established it was Le- it was ledger's death like i think that like kind of ruined all that i think it was originally going to be the case probably um so yeah i think it was his death his you know unfortunate death that like kind of like you know ended up propelling that the calling card thing is a direct pull from batman year one right I mean, and, yeah you mentioned that like, earlier yeah like oh 100 percent. Mm-hmm. like 100 percent. i mean that's just yeah the 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 exact end of that um limited series is the exact end of that movie so it's not like it's anything creative or set anything up it's just it's almost like the opposite it's almost like creatively bankrupt in that they is the is the thank you line in there because i actually really like that a lot like you know i never said thank you and you won't ever have to like is that in do you know if remember if that's in? it's it's really similar I, okay it, that right. that exact I, that exact line is is cribbed from year one okay all right pretty sure it's the scene that happens in because I really love that like actual like line a lot like of oh, the thank you stuff, uh, which actually is a happens almost in every movie to some degree. The thank you stuff it certainly happens in Rises again like a couple of times with the thank yous and how he reacts to those. Um, all right, let's move on to. I feel like we've already talked about this like a lot, but it's like let's move on to Dark Knight Rises, um, Frank. <sighs> How do you feel about Dark Knight Rises? I mean, it's just absolute trash. Like, Why? All right. So, one of the things that I wanted to focus on more than anything was my connection with the comics and how they're represented on screen. Right. So, number one, they're pulling from a really terrible period of time in terms of like writing and plotting in Batman for the third movie so they're taking the stuff from the bane um the nightfall storyline with bane breaking batman's back they're taking stuff from uh no man's land which is like a late 90s thing where gotham gets cut off from the rest of the world because of an earthquake um then they want to shoehorn uh you know to Bledsoe's point from talking about the dark knight like shoehorn tally al ghul into things just to give you a connection to the first movie so it can like wrap everything up and even though bane also already gave you that connection but yeah yeah but um, no but the thing is is like bane in real life like doesn't give you that connection that's the problem well bane in the comics gotta... doesn't give you that connection right right well i, I said real life like the right, fucking yeah. nerd that I am, but <laughs> in in the comics like bane is completely separate from that right that right, right. through line in the story so you got to like retcon this dude's entire origin to make it so sure you can put this character in that doesn't even really matter in the end. Right. And I think it's got the clunkiest dialogue by far. I think that while I don't believe that Batman Begins and Dark Knight are incredibly well-written, I think they each have their moments where people are delivering really strong dialogue. And again, that's because a lot of it's pulled from like the great comic book writers, but it's fine. Like it's, it's used correctly. The movie opens with, one of the worst scenes in modern cinematic history of them on a pl- like 
CIA agents on a plane who have captured Bane's henchmen and are trying to trick them into giving them information about Bane. And fucking Littlefinger from goddamn Game of Thrones is there and is like, Is that why does, yeah, Aiden Gillen? Why do they wear the mask or why does Bane wear a mask? And it's like, This okay. is what you want to know. Like, I have, I have a question for both of you about this. His yelling versus everything else that's happening in that scene. I've watched this movie on my iPad the last two times I watched it besides the theater. I hear no ambient, like, you know, like airplane sounds going on. I don't hear the wind rushing that loudly. Is it bad audio editing or is it my it's device? You. It's me. Because it, it sounds like he's like yelling too loudly compared to the sounds in oh, the background. Well, he one hundred percent is okay. Because like, because I can hear it. Like, don't get me wrong, I can hear it. It just sounds like it's not loud enough. Like the the audio levels are mixed up to where it's like his yelling is too much for the audio that's in the background of the plane, like having the door open. Yeah, no, it's just it's just dumb. Like it's and very histrionic. Like, for a guy who feels like he's in control of a situation with these people at gunpoint, like, he's... Which is true, because he's a very capable director or actor, too. Right, like, right. And it's like... um, And it's a silly introduction to Bane, I think, kind of, but whatever. I don't know. Like, there's... The movie's 45 minutes too long, number one. And... They all are. Most, yeah. of, most of it... Well, this one is... Look, I, I think the fucking... Asia scene in Dark Knight is egregious, but let me tell you that like this is what's shoehorning. The, what's the most what's the most egregious scene in this? Oh my god! Uh, the Bruce Wayne Miranda sex scene. <laughs> yeah, that's 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 pretty bad. Well, like, what what is the point of that? Like, ser- seriously, why? I wrote is, down in why my is Talia. Why is Talia doing this, like, motivation-wise? So, so Talia al Ghul in the comics has a child with Bruce Wayne, and that's Damian Wayne, who's, like, a Nightwing-esque, like, whatever, um, cohort to Batman. Uh-huh. Talia al Ghul is, like, a really fully realized character in the comics because she's, like, her father's daughter, but she saw some good in her. There's just a lot of shit. That's okay, like why, why why in this movie is Talia so like trying to in, fuck Bruce Wayne if she's because, like, like on destroy Gotham City? Because the whole point is that they want to break Batman physically and spiritually to the point where like they've taken everything from him. So she comes back and she like gets him to fall in love with her, and then she's the one that stabs the knife, and then. I don't think he fell in love with her. I think he just fucked her. No, he was in love with her. And gave the company to her. Right. And one of the, like, most... Oh, my God. You see, you want to talk egregious. Here's the most egregious thing. Is that fucking 10-minute scene where she's continuously stabbing him, like, in the side, and he's, like, still doing that goddamn gravelly Batman voice, even though Bane knows Bruce Wayne, and she knows the motherfucking Bruce Wayne... And he's like, what are you doing, Talia? Why are you stabbing me? Oh, babe. And they're like, like, just this purple prose of like overexposing their entire plan to like ruin his oh, life. Yeah. 
while oh, she yeah, that's what she tells her whole origin story right yeah. while she's continuously stabbing him in the so, side so, so listen real quick there is a scene when he's down in the fucking hole or whatever and he's like you know like talking to the dude that knows all the shit about the hole and he's like something about like escaping he's like bane and the guy just ignores his question and is like just continues telling the story he doesn't stop and say like no nah, it wasn't bane it was like this little girl that like you know ended up doing this shit it's like really really oh, like, because he doesn't want to he can't give away the well, right he can't give away the what? end of the movie right, right. <laughs> i like when dude. that guy um i liked when that guy karate chopped bruce wayne to fix his his vertebrae <laughs> right that again that's another thing that's stolen though from the nightfall shit because he goes to like some mystic eastern medicine to fix himself because he can't fucking walk anymore he's he, he's a paraplegic after bane breaks his back and um yeah i remember he's in the wheelchair so i don't know yeah, so it, all, it's it's hard to defend this movie. I, I like and anything about it really. Like I, but that's the thing is like Anne Hathaway yeah. is an absolute perfect representation of Selena Kyle in my opinion. And the best part of that movie is watching like Anne Hathaway's performance. Yep. But it's what like twenty percent of the movie. Also, like, I don't necessarily understand the pseudo, like, lesbian relationship with her and um, Juno Temple. Like, I don't know why that character is necessary, unless you just want to show that, like... I, I honestly, like, I, I thought, I did think about that today, like, kind of, like, having on the background of, like, what's the what's the deal there, is I, I think it's supposed to show that despite all of her cynicism and stuff like that, that she is like, she does the same thing with like the little boy. Right. And tries to teach him like how to steal properly later in the movie. It's right. like that, that there is goodness in her of like trying to watch out for other people. Um, I think is the idea there that like is the ties in the idea that she would come back and try to like help. Um, I, I think that's the signifier um it's just that it's not spelled out so fucking obviously for like you know like everything else in every single fucking movie in this trilogy that um um it's like you're surprised by the fact that like maybe it's a little bit more subtle yeah i'm surprised that she didn't actually say that at some point right because there's there's one point and don't get me wrong i really liked anne hathaway Mm -hmm. but there's one point where she's talking to bruce wayne and she goes you know, it would just be nice to be able to start over yeah, and yeah. get a clean slate. Mm-hmm. And then it's pretty much the next scene where she's meeting with Daggert. And, and then she goes, the thing is called the clean slate or something clean like that. Uh-huh. Like, give me <laughs> right. that thing. All right. That will help me start over. Like right. I just told Bruce Wayne. So let me, let me say this, though, in relation to the, this movie specifically. This is the movie that gets to pull the least from what you would consider like classic Batman stories. So nothing from The Killing Joke, nothing from Arkham Arkham Asylum, nothing from Year One, nothing from Dark Knight Returns. It's all mid mid to late 90s that they're pulling from. So they don't have any good dialogue or storyboarding to crib from, which actually shows like the real weakness of Goyer and Nolan as creative talents and also as fans of batman 
because it shows that they just don't understand anything that makes like the comics great and they're just left to their own devices which is that they're producing like absolute shit so um i i really like the cat like like there's a scene that illustrates this it's like cat the to expand on the catwoman thing like i think she's a really great like femme fatale like character like a noir character um particularly in her dialogue like i know that's the one that gets quoted most from her but that whole like line look the whole storm is coming thing which gets repeated from the first movie which is just overdone but it's like that like whole line about how um uh uh, you and your friends better batten down the hatches um, because when the storm hits, like you're going to wonder how you how you ever lived so large and left so little for the rest of us. Um, that whole dance sequence between her and Bruce Wayne is like the dialogue there is really strong, especially from like her character. There's like a scene later on with her and Robin where like he says you made some mistakes. And she said, a girl's got to eat. And he says, well, you got to quite an appetite. And it's like, that is like a fucking modern noir, like line, if I've ever heard one. Um, and both of those, like, I really like him as the Robin character as well, like in terms of his delivery, in terms of like that stout work character, like, you know, he's just so earnest, like all the way through confident and earnest. Um, and I think both of them are really good and I think that they actually write for those characters overall really well. Um, it's just a shame that like basically like her salvation comes from the fact that she wants to fuck Bruce Wayne um, and like his story ends with like some lame reference to the fact that he's Robin um, from a clerk. So so Bledsoe, we, we were talking about this before you got on if that scene play because that's terribly written if that scene plays out where he walks up and he's like hey um i got a package i'm supposed to pick up a package for john whatever my last name is blake, and the woman's yeah. like um i don't have a john blake but i have a robin blake and he's like oh yeah that's my real name but i don't go by that and she's like oh i think you should it really suits you and then like that's it like it's still kind of lame but it works <laughs> as opposed to being like isn't that what happened? No. no. So it... he walks up to her and he says, do you have a package for John Blake? And she says, I don't have a John Blake. And he says, huh? Well, maybe you should go by my given name. And he hands her what, like his license or something? Yeah. Uh-huh. And she's like, pulls oh, out a bag, quick cut to a pull. Here's, out a bag. here's yeah. the bag. Here's your stuff. And then as he's walking away, she's like, you know, I think Robin's a great name. <laughs> Okay, it's so well, lame. Like I, I swear it it's not even that. Like it, I, I think it just ends with the name Robin. It's like I think Does you she... have a great name, Robin. Robin, <laughs> right? It it didn't matter for me because so this is the first time I'm watching. I was watching mm-hmm. it, first time I've seen it, and um, you know, I was already tuned in to the fact that they were, that they were constantly like dropping dialogue that was a slave to the plot and so when batman and let is it joseph gordon levitt yeah. is that his name mm-hmm. yep. so when when he's in the when he's in the car in the batmobile or whatever with batman and batman is telling him well anybody can be batman um it's not just you know it's not just me etc cetera, etc cetera. so at that point i'm thinking okay 
this guy, he's one of three things. Either, either they're going to have Batman like take a break for a while, and this guy is going to take up Batman's role like they did with the Nightfall series. And so he's going to be like the temporary Batman, like uh, what's his name, Azrael or whatever. Azrael, yeah. Um, or option two, he's going to be some sort of they're going to figure out some kind of way to make him into Nightwing. Or option three, he's going to be Robin. So the reveal at the end wasn't a reveal. I mean, I already knew that he was going to be, and it sucked because like, I don't, you know, like I don't make it a habit of trying to guess what's going to happen in movies. Right. I try to just like accept the movie, but they were beating me so over the head with everything that, that I couldn't help myself. Sure. And, and so like at the end when they, when they said, Oh yeah, this is Robin. I'm like, okay, cool. You know, are they going to do anything with that? Or is that just the end of the movie? And uh, did they ever do anything with it? No. No, I, no. Think, I, I think the idea was to leave it open-ended in case they ever wanted to go back. Right. Yeah. Um, That you have like these characters now established, but it also is just almost like an Easter egg. And uh, that's, that's the whole, like the whole thing is there's like so many Easter eggs in this movie. I don't know. Like, yeah. Easter eggs that aren't even Easter eggs. They're just stupid, like, obvious references. I, I do want to commend, to the the Gordon, Joseph Gordon-Levitt scene with um, when he goes and confronts Bruce Wayne. I think it's another, like, really strong, especially from Levitt, another really strong scene where he confronts him the first time and is like, I know you're Bruce Wayne. Or, I mean, I'm sorry, I know you're Batman. Like, and, like, explains to him, like, about, like, the mask and, like, you know, seeing how, like, you know, no, being an orphan, you learn to, like, smile because you learned it too late, like, you know, and got tossed around from, fall, like, booted from foster home to foster home. Um, I thought it was a fantastic, like, monologue, and I thought it was extremely well delivered, Um and it didn't require Bale and his asshole version of Bruce Wayne to like react that much. Um, and like again, like I I I think Joseph Gordon Levitt and um, Dan Hathaway are great in this. I think the one scene like that Michael Caine delivers, like the really like like the biggest scene that he has in this movie where he um, confronts Bruce about the letter um and explains to him like no i know what this means like all that kind of stuff like i know like you know the the kids you know whose cries i heard through the mansion or whatever the first thing i think that's a really good scene like you know again great delivery by kane um i think there's really good scenes in this movie and i think there's some really good like setups to certain characters just where it all ends largely again because the villain and then the fucking stupid ass twist at the end where it's like you have to undercut the villain the, the main villain to prop up this like Razagul daughter to make a connection to the first movie a direct lineal connection um you know mistake that abrams like you know ends up making like years later like you know in the same way in the star wars stuff has to be lineal um and like this lineal connection where she like you find out she's the villain find out but i mean like in air quotes but it's like you find out she's a villain and then she's alive for seriously it's like nine minutes 
it's nine minutes and she has this like worthless death well, you're supposed to be it's supposed to be like like twisting a knife in you because you're like oh i loved her so much like with bruce and she was such a great character she's evil <laughs> right right but i will like, say one thing i like about this too is bruce wayne lives like he goes he walks away and he lives i actually like the idea of that yeah but it's the fucking silence of the lambs ending i mean like like they're it's in brazil and like he's having fava beans with fucking <laughs> Anne hathaway like uh, that's a funny reference but no i actually like the idea that it's like he can walk away that it, that it's like because i think it's another really good line of dialogue in this is like the idea of like you've given everything to these people like what more do you have to give and like his response is like you know not everything not yet um, that he's willing to die for these people finally, and like he understands. Doesn't. Well, he doesn't, right? But it's like I that, actually like the idea that uh, that Bruce Wayne doesn't have to sacrifice himself. But and, he, the, and I and more than anything, because I like the Alfred character so much, I like that Alfred gets that payoff. That's what I a, like more than it anything. is an absolute. It, if anything, condemns their lack of understanding of batman as a character it's that shit there at the end that number one that bruce and fucking selena would both give up like their lives because that's the whole thing is they're both fucking addicts to like this life that they lead they're not going to be like slumming around goddamn wherever you know happens after that point like i mean i've read like batman has existed for i don't know what i'm saying you don't know what happens in that universe after that point like I know enough, and I know that it's stupid. They're just taking a holiday. Right. Uh, And then Alfred happens to be, oh, anyway, whatever. He knows where he goes, because he mentioned the story earlier in the movie. I know, I get it. I remember because I saw the guy. It's part of the plot. (laughs) Part of the plot of the movie. Fucking, fucking. Yes, it all up. Do up with autopilot. Right. Autopilot doesn't work. He, he like <laughs> Right. Like it, it's like it's another one of those things that was mentioned earlier on. It's like, you know, he has to tell the story so that the fucking payoff can happen. I just think it's Oh, and they get a clean okay slate. payoff. Clean slate? They do get they a got, clean slate. Yeah, yeah, they they got that clean slate. They got the slate from the clean slate that they put in their phone and it wiped them out of existence. Because the technology was too powerful for anyone to have. I just want to say, I'm so glad that we're nearing the end of not only like this podcast, but of like me ever having to think about the Nolan Dark Knight trilogy ever again. Because I've been stressing about this and talking about this for way too long. Really? Uh, yes. You've been stressing about the podcast well, or just about? No, no, no. The, about the, the movies, movies, like of how I want to like, because I, I don't know if it came across. There are things I like about these movies. Like, there are things that I actually, like, enjoy about these movies, and I don't think, like, if I turn them on in the background, that they're a bad watch. Like, I, like, they're, they're, the third one's, on like, not good. But it's, like, but it's, like, the first two, it's, like, I can turn them on in the background while I'm doing something else, and it's, like, if, as long as I'm not, like, sitting there watching every single, like, scene, it's, like, I'm not offended by the movies. Like, I don't, like, despise them. Yeah, I mean, I think it's the fact that they're just so ridiculously overrated yes 
and it's the it's the the same it's the low low tour effect <laughs> where yes that sounds like some crazy star wars villain <laughs> that's 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 lobot's brother is low <laughs> um are we gonna start t- talk about star wars next <laughs> have you watched that new trilogy what's up um i watched force awakens i watched rogue one and i watched uh last jedi mm. i have not seen the final Skywalker. <laughs> how do you feel I'm, about those first two? i'm sure it's horrendous how do you Easy. feel about the first two me just just, just generally garbage. how do you feel about garbage oh oh my god i so want you to watch that last movie I so want you to watch that last movie. It all pays really? off in the end. Oh yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. Like completely flips the script and it's just amazing. Oh God, that would be a fantastic first watch. I would probably be screaming and yelling. I mean, it, <laughs> it would this... be a terrible first watch because yeah. I'd have to watch it again. <laughs> right? Yeah, I haven't since the theater. Yeah. And I kind of don't want to ever, but I will sacrifice sometimes to what make other people watch things. I mean, I don't <laughs> like Abrams. I I don't like Abrams at all. So I don't know if he did that last movie, but I don't uh, of his. Yeah, he 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 did. Um, because they like pulled it all away from like Ryan Johnson and all that kind of stuff, and. Kind of like moved completely away from like where he was going in the Last Jedi and stuff. I I just say I can't believe, I can't believe that they went and brought back the Death Star, the Death Star for Force Awakens. I couldn't right. believe. Force Awakens was a New Hope remake. Right, right. I mean, it was terrible. Right. I don't know if you like listen to us talk about it. We talked about Last Jedi like while like last no, month. I didn't, I, no, I didn't um, hear that one but um yeah like it's like ryan johnson gets shit on all the time for the last jedi and like you know because it's like too woke or whatever um largely and um it like you know is too much about flipping the script of you know and that kind of stuff um but it's like i'm pretty sure like disney's not gonna like on a script level let something get so far it's like it's like i think Force Awakens was supposed to be largely this kind of reboot. It's the same idea, like all that stuff. And then Ryan Johnson, like the second movie was going to be, we're going to flip everything on its head. You can like that or not like that, but I think that was the idea. And then everybody reacted so badly to it that they're like, oh shit, like, you know, no, no, let's just go back and do the same thing that we've always been doing. Like, and, and that's, and, yeah, that's and so surprising. the third movie is like them just going back to doing the, try to, trying to do the same thing that they were always been doing when they hadn't originally planned to do that. And it was a fucking disaster. Um, <clears throat> one of the worst things, blockbusters I've ever seen in my entire life. Is that third movie? I can't believe we're sitting here having this conversation right now. What Wasn't it bad enough that we were talking about the fucking Dark Knight trilogy? 
I think. I mean, I don't I, know what I, else I, I want to talk. Here, here, here's what I want to say about this Dark Knight trilogy, like stuff in Christopher Nolan. Christopher Nolan forces too many ideas and thinks he's way deeper than what I think he is. It's like I saw too many people. Like I didn't see Inception until a couple years after the fact. I remember like when Inception came out, I heard all these people talking like, "What's the ending of Inception?" I remember you, Frank, having a discussion with you know one or two people about like you know this movie and you're like it just is this and like and it's like oh from everything i've heard about that like frank's right it makes perfect sense like it's just this like and then finally i watched it and it was like oh right it this isn't complicated whatsoever people are over analyzing this movie like it like that's just like it's it's kind of open-ended but it probably means this like you know um and I finally rewatched Inception like last year during like, you know, like lockdown, like because it was free. And it was like, you know what? I actually like this as an action movie. It's just fucking. He tries to force his fucking philosophical shit in the movies that complicates it when he's actually like an okay action director. Like I enjoyed it as like this kind of like weird sci-fi heist movie, like, you know, but like, um, I like, it's like the idea that anybody questions that ending. I try not to do this earlier. It's, it's like, it's, it's a, it's a dumb man's like, you know, thinking movie. Like, it, like, it's like he telegraphs everything he sets up everything way too much. There's no real twists, like, you know, and you just have to think about his movies for a little bit, like, you know, if there is any complexity to, like, figure out, like, what the complexity really is and, like, what it's trying to do or what it's trying to say. And um, I, like, so I think he's a talented f- filmmaker to some degree. Um, not without his flaws, but he's a talented filmmaker. And, just, and like I said, it's just a, not a very good storyteller because he complicates the stories by thinking he's deeper than what he is. But I've watched interviews with him. He's a really nice guy. He's he's a super nice guy. He's very complimentary of other directors. Like he's not a, like an egotist. It doesn't seem like you know. So it's like he's not like this asshole who thinks he's like making the greatest movies of all time. And he is trying to do something that is different than everybody else, which is take the blockbuster, you know, idea and incorporate some sort of artistic merit into it. And whether you like think that it ends up working in the end, I can appreciate the idea that he's trying to take, you know, something that is so kind of rote and do something a little bit different and a little bit unique about it. Um, So as much as I don't really care for the stories of a lot of his movies i'm glad the dude is out there doing his thing as much as we might have shit on him like this entire time can i make a counterpoint to that sure christopher nolan is endemic of everything that's wrong with modern filmmaking (laughs) like the fucking film school grad goddamn i don't know like manufactured bullshit there's nothing like real or organic about a Christopher Nolan movie. He's a fucking hack when it comes to like his scripts and his direction. And I fucking hate him. So, I think he's, I think he's honestly like the worst director working today that gets like any sort of praise. And I say that with like 
Michael Bay in the universe. So no, come on, Zack Snyder. So I would, I would never like. Come I, on, I, I could never give that type of criticism. I don't have the knowledge or experience or opinion, but I will say that what you're saying makes sense to me, Frank, because. <laughs> The whole like like I don't know if I said it on the podcast. Or I, feel, I feel it in my gut. <laughs> <laughs> or if I said it before the podcast, but um, the the whole trilogy feels like a clinic in screenwriting best practices, and I mean that in the most pejorative sense, <laughs> because I feel like like these guys took this like the book of screenwriting rules. And like, that's what they did. They, that's why everything fits together. That's why there's, you know, why everything is telegraphed. That's why everything is so complicated and um, why the dialogue drives the plot and all that stuff. I feel like there's, and it goes back to the fact that there was nothing about about these movies that inspired me to feel anything or to learn anything or or think about anything it was it's just just stuff happens and let's make cool stuff happen because we want to have this scene and we want to have that scene we want to have batman jumping off a skyscraper we want to have the tumbler go through a wall um and we want to have this hospital blow up and like, let's figure out what we have to do to get all these things to fit together and let's do it like by the book, by the film school rules. That's what the whole trilogy felt like to me. So I don't know if that's, I don't know if that makes sense, Frank, with what you're oh, saying, yeah. but it, it sounds very, to me, it feels similar to the point that you're making. I agree a hundred percent. Just trash. The only thing I will say, Frank, is you were to, to make that Michael Bay remark is only because you got to get up at like fucking 4 a.m. or some shit or 3 a.m. Like, that's the only reason you're making that that kind of like hostile comment, because that is bullshit. My rock Bay had more interesting. Awful. The rock had more interesting cinematography than any mm. of these movies. But that is true. I'll, I'll, I'll pull back from the Michael Bay, but I'm sticking with the Zack Snyder. I fucking hate that motherfucker so mm, much. Well, I think Nolan's worse. So much, so much. I uh, th- that Justice League cut is one of the most painful things I've sat through in a long time. Worse. I enjoyed the. I don't know the Snyder cut of Justice League's terrible. Yeah, they're about whatever. the same to me. My internet connection is unstable, and it probably means that my internet is trying to tell me that this is enough. <laughs> <laughs> like, this has run its course. Um, I, I agree with your internet. Because <laughs> um, this is probably two and a half hours long at this point. So. Oh, it's like three, I would imagine. Well, we We're took close to it. Yeah, oh, we, we, yeah, we did take a short break. We did. I don't think that P lasted figure, that long. Fi- figure, figure out where that cut happened, everybody. Um, Mike, thank you for joining us. To um, yeah, thanks for inviting thir- me. It's a lot of fun. Thoroughly ruining everybody's like it, um, 
view of this movie possible. It was a lot of fun to talk about it, and it was no fun to watch it. <laughs> but I'm glad That's, to uh, right. see you guys and hang out on a Sunday night. Yeah, yeah it was nice. I, I really enjoyed talking about it myself. So. Yeah, same. Um, I, I feel like uh, again, like it's it's gone now. Like as soon as this ends, like I feel like I can just like not think about this trilogy ever again. Um, which is uh good for me um because i've been thinking about it too much but um uh so i guess we can like kind of tout like at the very end here that in a couple weeks we will be doing um a different podcast um called the best 30 minutes and that it will be the the three of us joined by our friend Ryan Wellmaker of Battletoad Overload on YouTube um, to start discussing, I guess, just kind of like random topics largely surrounding childhood um, and our experiences throughout the first 40 plus years of our lives. Let's not let's not put ourselves in a corner. <laughs> um, fucking whatever i, I want to talk about i want to talk about dark forces come on it's it's chris yeah, nolan first... chris nolan over here trying to over <laughs> thank you <laughs> i'm trying i'm trying to set up something for two weeks in advance all right that's the right first episode the first episode is going to be the story of our experience living through the star wars resurgence of the early 90s leading up to the ultimate disappointment of the phantom menace right so we right. are going to get some hate in there yeah but we're going but to get stars going to be our excitement and in our anticipation but we're going to get some anticipation and right. some excitement and some i mean i i, I think it's a much more like like I think it's going to be a, like overall a positive podcast, right? About a, like, well, I mean, it's a it's it's tragic because it is the story of of uh, heartbreak, and which is what nostalgia is, right? But the tragedy is uh, right at the end, so you know you'll get a good narrative up to that point. Yeah, yeah. So we're going to tell the story of what it was like to grow up with Star Wars, find it again as teenagers and then um and then be victimized by um george lucas right. i can't wait to tell the story of being their opening night when that movie came out i can't wait to hear it yeah yeah all right there's so much there's so much to talk about there um but uh yeah two weeks look for it um best 30 minutes best 30 minutes all right. Thank if you. Anybody for made it this far? Congratulations. Uh, Easter. Look, look for it. Um, <laughs> all right. Have a good all day, right. everybody. Goodbye. Thank you for listening.